Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, uh, Robert. You have meddled with the primal forces of podcasting, Mr. Schweitzer, and I will not have it. Nice. I just, I, I figured you were just going to pull out the, I'm, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But no, I'm not this basic. Is, this is better. It was a nice pull. I, I, yeah. As soon as I came up, I was like, typing it down right now. <laughs> and uh, also joined by Shane this week for the first time on a GOATS episode. I didn't come up with a clever way to introduce myself, <laughs> but now I did. <laughs> and I could just go into a whole entire thing where I describe our whole entire existence here in the form of a screenplay, just like <laughs> William Holden describes his relationship with his wife and dad. Man, more to come on that later. Network Star Movie will be talking about Fargo. We do uh, movie reviews, best ever challenges, other interesting movie-related articles for the um, SifPop.com. Robert and I are editors. Shane is a staff writer. Um Hey, the three staff people at Sip. I was going to say, we got the three highest ranking here. Well, other than Dicer, but yeah. Um, He's the boss man. Yeah, he's the boss man. Uh, And uh, yeah, so lots of stuff. Um, uh, Let's see, Shane uh, has the monthly Buried Treasure articles, as well as probably half the reviews that come on the site, and uh, (laughs) pretty close. Um, So yeah, plenty, plenty of time, plenty of opportunities to read some mean stuff. Robert and I have not written as much, but our fingerprints are all over it. I like. I read all of Shane's stuff. <laughs> you read all the stuff, yeah. yeah. So, and he read a lot lately. Yeah, man, dude, yeah. it was so Shane put in like ten reviews at one point in the website, and so Robert edited them, and I made the made the graphics and got them scheduled and all that. And then, like within an hour, there was four more reviews in the website, and I was like, he just doesn't stop; he's a machine. And so. I have a couple more to talk to Robert about when we stop recording. <laughs> well, that's your. That's your plug. Oh, I'm doing a review soon. I'm doing the Cuphead show. That's like exciting. I like I like writing articles. I did see that, and I will watch that eventually. I appreciated your Slack <laughs> message that you put in. Yeah, I, I wrote in our Slack in our movie discussion channel. Uh, I said, uh, let's see, anyone else watching the Cuphead show? And if not, what other bad choices are you making? So yeah, you know, I'll be honest. Shane sends me so many messages about. Uh, do you want this review? Do you want that review? That sometimes I forget whether or not I answered and I just checked our messages and I left them on red <laughs> for his last one uh, unintentionally. That's okay. So in my defense, it was my wife's birthday. Anyway. So I was, yeah, I was yeah. preoccupied. Happy birthday, Laura. Uh, Shane, yeah, I'll take that review. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, sweet. <laughs> well, that's the website stuff. Uh, on the podcast, uh, today's show, we'll talk about uh, two coming attractions. Um, we'll give our thoughts on uh, two movies that are, are going to be available to you this week. Uh, and we'll talk on the SIF topic, which will be deciding whether or not Network is a GOAT. We'll explore the B-plot. We'll answer a question that I came up with that is just, you're the CEO for the Criterion Collection. What five movies are you adding uh, immediately? 
And of course, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. Uh, but first, we got to get a chance to know our writers this week. Shane Robert, you're, you're, I mean, Shane's one of the OG writers, so he's been on the podcast like five or six times at this point. And Robert is, of course, on with me every month. Um, so I thought this would be fun. Um, you both have uh, have YouTube channels that you've been kind of working with, um, one of you longer than another. Um, I thought it would be cool just to kind of be able to highlight that, especially here at the top instead of, you know, on the back end in a casual uh, thing. So um, I guess we'll run through these um Probably one by one. That's going to make the most sense. Because um, a couple back-to-back questions. Shane, let's start with you. Uh, what, what is the overall like aim of your YouTube channel? And like also like URL or whatever it is to, to direct people there if they want to. I am the Wasteland Reviewer. And it's the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel. And I started it back in August 2016. And I'm almost at 700 subscribers. And I'm so very excited. It took me like, I don't know, four or five years to even get a hundred. Right. I feel no. like, weren't you just at like 200? It must've just like exploding. blown up recently. That's awesome. And I want to give a special thanks to South Park, the post COVID special, which <laughs> on Thanksgiving made my biggest day in the history of my YouTube channel. So right. thank you. Yes. South Park. Thanks Trey Parker <laughs> and Matt Stone. Yes. Um, but it started as me just doing reviews because I was going through some stuff in my life. I'm like, I need to do something very <laughs> me talk about movies. Mm-hmm. And as I've put in, put some more effort into it, like obviously the main thing is like I do reviews and my thing is I'll review any. So mm-hmm. which is why there's everything on there. Um, but I've been doing some fun new shows and stuff like that kind of branch out. I have a new talk show, Wasteland Talks. I have my Welcome to the Wasteland show. Each week I take a deep dive into a particular film and all aboard the Scorsese train is coming to a close sometime in April because I've been doing this since September. Man, I really need to watch Silence because that means that's coming up pretty soon. <laughs> in about a month, actually, um, or so. And then I do interview shows. Time to fit in a three-hour movie into my schedule. (laughs) Plus the Batman. Yeah, Um, plus the Batman. Yes. No, no, Batman's only two hours and fifty-five minutes. We're good. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Can't round that up. Um, But and I've been doing my interview show. I started during COVID because I'm like, I want human interaction, and Mm -hmm. it's been a lot of fun. Like I interviewed Terry Crews. (laughs) So I'm jealous. Did you really? Yes. I somehow missed that. You could go check it out. I interviewed Terry for all of four minutes, and it was absolutely delightful. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my shtick. Nice. Well, next time you see Terry, tell him I say hi. Um, <laughs> since you guys are such good friends. <laughs> <laughs> do, do not misconstrue me saying that I talked to Terry Crews for four minutes means that I'm friends with him. No, no. I, I wish so. I could say that. I'm sure he would, would say really he's... Cool. I think he seems like a friendly kind of guy that he would just say that anybody that spends time with him that isn't, you know, a complete a-hole would be his friend. He seems like that kind of guy. I would take it. So, uh, uh, so, so you would, you would say kind of the, is, the aim of the channel would be, I'll watch Mostly, anything? Yeah. So, like, if there's anything that you're like, huh, this is a movie, does anybody have any thoughts on this? There's a decent chance I probably do. Well, and like, there's there's definitely a market for that because like the two movies we're going to talk about for our coming coming attraction, Studio sixty six and No No Exit. Like, you're not going to get Chris Stuckman or Jeremy Johns or Angry Review or Angry Joe or whatever. Like, none of these guys are watching these movies. Like, so Wasteland Reviewer, there you go. Uh, you know, somebody's got to do it, right? 
somebody's and somebody's got to somebody's got to tell us the things that are actually worth watching. Um, so so aside from interviewing Terry Crews, do you have like one or two like just something that's been really special uh, highlights in starting your YouTube channel? So. I started doing a podcast, which is not really a podcast because it only shows up on my YouTube channel, um, <laughs> called Development Hell Podcast. And I do that with my friend Alex and my friend Matt. And I remember our first episode, which we had to cut in half because we literally talked for three and a half hours. We Man, sounds like the our- Oscars and review episodes. <laughs> yeah, we left that all intact. <laughs> um, but it was our top 10 favorite films. And I thought that was a really fun thing. And to be perfectly honest, the videos I do every year with Matt that we count down our top 10 Mm -hmm. are a lot of fun. If I had to pick um, one of my favorite, (laughs) you know what? And Aaron was on this one. One of my favorite Welcome to the Wasteland episodes was Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. (laughs) Because the fact that it's a group of people talking about such a provocative and inappropriate movie and then Frank's just there drinking and making side comments every so often. Frank was a blast to be on that because he set his virtual background to be the casting couch and and he's just like in the middle of the episode just pouring himself a glass of Pink Whitney straight from the bottle. I I I think he turned that into a gif, so... There is one particular thing that he said and I can't remember the exact words, but I lost it. It was... It was the innuendo. It was... Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'll repeat it here. So yeah, so if you want to have a fun time, go check out some of those videos. Shane, what what are uh, what are some dreams you have for the po- for your YouTube channel? Like, what's what's kind of the like? I mean, obviously, like I don't think there's necessarily an end game, but like, what would be something that would make you just feel like I feel really good about what just happened? I would love to hit a thousand subscribers at some point, and where it's like you get that green light where it's like you could be monetized. Because there's that one point I was kind of close, and then they changed the rules. Yeah, I'm just I think like, it's ten thousand now, right? I think you need ten thousand subscribers. Alex was telling me so. But so it's like I guess the thing is, obviously, I don't think the reviews are really going to change and stuff like that. But I do like the different kinds of things I'm doing with some of my shows, and I'm going into new territory recently with my interview show. Because I don't want to just keep having people come on and me trying to come up with lists of questions. Mm-hmm. So the round three interviews I'm doing with people has one very specific question that I'm trying to springboard into more film discussion where, which obviously both of you will be invited at some point, talking about if you had a film class, what would be your curriculum? The nice guys and, every day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> and that would springboard into your next appearances being going through your film curriculum and mm. me interviewing you about those films. That's really exciting. Am I getting tenure for your channel to, to make a curriculum and everything? <laughs> I think it's funny. Cause like I work at a college, so yeah. you know, <laughs> kind of looping that in. I teach data analytics and statistics and quantitative methods for business. So it's kind of like, it'd be cool to teach a film class, That'd be fun. Uh, but, um, Like I just did my first one. I recorded it with my friend Paige and we double featured the 1925 silent Phantom of the opera. Mm. And then the 2004 Andrew Lloyd Webber, Joel Schumacher Phantom of the opera. And we, I interviewed her about it. So fun. Yeah. I'd be, I'd look forward to that. That'd be fun. I think that's going to be fun. And then obviously seeing what directors I get to take deep dives into, which you all get to decide by voting on Instagram. 
That's true. Which, uh, and then, yeah. and then, just the last one is just if you could recommend one video from your channel for somebody that hasn't seen a, vi- a video uh, on your channel, what one would that be? I think the one, and Robert will appreciate this. Um, early on in my channel, when I started trying to do some different kinds of videos and just straight up reviews, mm-hmm. I started going through my favorite films. And I think I did a Lord of the Rings review that turned out mm-hmm. to be almost 20 minutes because I was just so passionate about it. And I feel like if you want to find a video that really captures how much I love movies, mm-hmm. I think it's that one. That's great. Nice. I'll, I'll make sure to seek that one out. Might have to scroll back for a while on that. I mean, it's... You should search it. <laughs> <laughs> how many videos see- do you have total? Do you know? I was just looking at that. <laughs> I don't think I ever looked. 2.6 thousand. Oh my gosh. Um, you could go through the ever-evolving hair of Shane. <laughs> because over the years, my hair and my facial hair have been in very different places. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I'm just, I just buzz cut at this point because I'm sick and tired of seeing myself going bald. I'm just, I'm taking that decision myself. Yeah, so. me too. Shut up, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I called Robert, Robert, Robert Gandalf when he came in. <laughs> Jesus wants shut up, Jesus. Shut up, Jesus. <laughs> no, Robert looks like he's ready to just you know you know hop in and play uh you know Passion of the Christ sequel at any point. You know, <laughs> I walked I across the I walked across the river to get here today to record the podcast. <laughs> either either Jesus or like non tenured college oh no t- tenured college professor probably, <laughs> probably teaching like philosophy or something. like that. I know it's really low hanging fruit, but when Robert came on to record my departed episode, I did call him Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And his beard's not quite there yet. It's coming. It's coming. Is that as long as it's ever been? Nice. Uh, well, Shane, I, yo, I, I hope you get to your thousand mark. I hope you get enough that you can get monetized. Doing all I can. I'm already subscribed to you. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will get you a couple more. So uh, here we go. Robert, on to you. Uh, your your channel. Yes. Um Excuse me. You, it's called Robert's Thoughts. I I, <laughs> I thought you were going to ask a question. No, I mean, I thought about it, but I was like, it felt kind of clunky when I talked to Shane and I said, <laughs> "What? how do you get there after I asked for Robert's Thoughts. Uh, what's, what is the aim of your channel? Yeah, I, uh, I, I do video essays, so it's not nearly as frequent as Shane. Uh, what do, you, do you do multiple videos a day? Yes. Yeah. Same. yeah. <laughs> um, I do one every couple weeks um, because... I work a part-time job and I don't have, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't saying Shane doesn't work because I don't know how he fits everything he does into his schedule, but with the Absolutely. way I, I do my videos, I do, I have a part-time job, so I can't focus as much as I'd like to on uh, getting the details and, you know, the care and, and everything that I'd like to into my videos, uh, so, which is why they take a bit longer than <laughs> multiple per day. Um, to be yeah, fair. I, I, I'm just hitting on like main points of movies and write notes for a couple minutes before I record. So what what Robert does in his videos is a lot more than what I do in a general review. So yeah, they're very very different formats. I'm a lot more intensive than you are. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I do yeah I do video essays um, just on different movies and TV shows that interest me. And uh, keep your eyes peeled. There will be some shorts short films coming Ooh. down the road. All so, right. Uh, video essays. What do you think uh, is like one or two highlights uh, from your channel? Uh, well, I personally, I don't want to. <laughs> I feel kind of bad saying this, but I started last May. Um, I published my first one last May, which was about 
about time and yesterday the Beatles movie from a few years ago. Um, and in less than a year, I'm looking at the live count now. I'm at 1,324 subscribers. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And honestly, while you guys are talking about it, I looked it up and you can start getting monetized or you can apply to be monetized at a thousand subscribers. So oh, nice. maybe I'll do that. And Shane, you get that money. Yeah, you'll get there soon. Um, for a highlight for me, though, I had I did a Pirates of the Caribbean video back in August of 2021. And it recently just got picked up by the algorithm. And it's now at 185,000 views. Yo, which is insane to me that that many people have watched my video who cares about pirates of the caribbean 2022 that much right like i have no idea i mean they they all just uh at least the first one just got released on 4k physical discs so like it's got a little bit of a bump you know yeah well whatever it is people love it i'll i'll make this one comment we could leave it at that it might be partly just because of johnny depp um and we'll move on from there fair um but yeah those are my highlights that it's taken off a bit lately um and i'm pretty happy about that yeah for sure um and uh what are some what is, what's like a one or two dreams that you have like what, what would you love to see come of this i would like to be able to quit my part-time job and just get really intensive on this um yeah. at the time of this episode releasing will this come out wednesday this coming Wednesday. yeah, yeah. yeah so my video is gonna my next video is coming out tomorrow there's a patreon plug in there so hopefully out of all those people who are subscribing one or two or more will donate to patreon uh yeah so hope my hope is yeah to make it a full-time thing so i could get even deeper into the movies right now i my longest video is about 16 minutes uh if i could talk about stuff even deeper and do research and you know not that i don't do research but like do more intensive research uh yeah if i had the time to do that and not worry about my financial situation that'd be great well if either of you get big enough that you need somebody else to quit their job and and work with them I'm open. Uh, <laughs> I already know you're good to work with, so I'll keep that in the back of my mind for five years from now. <laughs> if it um, I don't know. Look, at, you know, I mean, just succession, succession video has been blowing up too. I mean, the other day I messaged you because it like hit like 5,000 views. It's not, like almost at seven now, you know? Yeah, it's at 6,700. And uh, if you could recommend one video from your channel, which one would it be? Some, something that, uh, you know, if nobody's ever seen any of your videos, what's a great one that you'd be like, just check this one out. That should give you an idea of what you can expect from the channel. It was actually my second video essay uh, in, from June of 2021. I did one about in Bruges and Calvary. Oh, a man, couple, I love that video. A couple I still games. haven't seen Calvary yet. You have to, man. I know, especially after seeing that essay. It's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are a couple of Brendan Gleeson vehicles. Yeah, right behind Shane. <laughs> Um, a couple of Brendan Gleeson vehicles that I just absolutely adore. Um, and I think that video really gets into just my worldview and my, you know, the kind of stuff I like to talk about. And it kind of will set the tone for the rest of the videos that you'll watch on my channel. So, nice. uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, go check that one out. Sweet. There you go. Robert's thoughts on YouTube and the Wasteland Reviewer on you. Some great stuff on both those channels. Um, yeah. Stuff. And uh, one random question for uh, each of us. Um, gosh, I pulled this up. I actually kind of hate this question. Uh, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Robert, you mentioned your wife had a birthday recently. I celebrated a birthday a little bit less than a month ago. Uh, do you guys have like special birthday celebrations? Like, Do you do anything special or is it just kind of like, uh, it's just another day? So I know for me, I take off a day around my birthday, mm-hmm. wake up and literally do nothing but sit there and watch my favorite movies all day until I go to sleep. So that's like five o'clock in the morning when I wake up until I go to bed at 11. 
Um, and I shook things up a little bit this year, but generally it's like I watch a Shrek movie. I watch a Lord of the Rings movie. I watch a Mad Max movie. And <laughs> probably a handful of other things. Uh, it's too many of my favorite movies are too long. Can't fit as mm. many into the day. Um, but I do have to give a shout out to my fiance, Jess, because, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't really do a whole lot of parties and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Literally just my Oscar party. But she got me with two surprises for my 30th in November in the same day. She got me so bad. <laughs> um, job, surprise, surprise lunch at Perkins, my favorite place. And then... I was supposed to go to her mom's house and then walked in and all my friends were there. Hmm. Um, so nice. generally it's just like small things. And like, I, I like to go to the movies with some of my friends. We went, it just so happened. Ghostbusters afterlife came out mm-hmm. the weekend of my birthday. So we went to go see that. Nice. Nice. What about you, Robert? Uh, of growing up, I would always try to see if the Red Sox were playing on my birthday on or around my birthday. And so I've been, my birthday's in September, so I've been to plenty of games at, at Fenway uh, in September. And I actually did this past year. Um, but if they aren't, this is something I started the last couple of years. I used to do this around Christmas time, but, you know, Christmas time, the holidays are busy. So uh, I, I started taking off and just watching all three Lord of the Rings on my birthday. Nice. Um, I was thinking about this question a little bit because um, just I was thinking about, I was listening to this podcast. Let's talk about the movie Bicentennial Man, which is a movie that I'm sure nobody's referenced in at least eight years. And uh, like, here's the unfortunate part about my birthday. I have a late January birthday and I love, like, we used to go to the movies on my birthday, but I saw a bunch of and crap. Like, and it was trash. I think the only three I can really remember that it was like, you know, I would try to go to a movie um, and then it was when I was at home, it was parents would say, where do you want to go eat? We're taking the family, wherever. And we always... Always pick the same place, place called Poderosa, just some like buffet place that honestly wasn't necessarily anything special. But yeah, if you if we go there enough, you know, whatever, um, for everybody's birthday, then we don't go anymore because, yeah, um, yeah, we don't necessarily do anything special now. Um, you know, it's just kind of a day. Usually my parents try to come up here for a weekend and that's it. So it's nice having my parents around. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was just thinking like, I think the three movies that I really remember going to, like, either on my birthday or just birthday weekend to be like, yeah, like, this is that. Um, Bicentennial Man being the, like, long, farthest one away I can think of. And uh, don't remember a single thing about that movie, and I don't care to. Because um, I remember even as, like, a five-year-old being unimpressed, and that's not a good sign. Um, for a movie that's probably designed more for kids than any. Uh, I mean, Chris Columbus directed it. Um, the Green Hornet. <laughs> and movie 43 like those and i remember that one because it was such a terrible experience like green oh hornet is the best best of that bunch and it's decent at best like it's decent if you're in the right mood i'm lucky so. because my birthday is the week before thanksgiving so like yeah. there's a lot of things that wind up dropping for thanksgiving but always used to go see harry potter for mm. my birthday and then they started chasing that summer movie money and went away from November and I got very offended. <laughs> they did it to fight you specifically. Yep, felt like it. Well, and there's no way they're going back on Fantastic Beasts because ain't no way those movies are getting any awards, love. So I don't want that on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like it's time we talk about the coming attractions. Uh, gosh. Uh, Robert, do you want to start with Studio 66 or No Exit? 
Uh, is it Studio 66? Oh, sorry, 666. Six, 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 six. You got to get uh, more satanic. Sorry, yeah, Studio 666. Six, six. You want to start with that one? We got my powers here, so Satan, he, we're safe from him. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's start with that one, because <laughs> it's the first one I know. That's definitely not, like, blasphemy or anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> you're the one who called him that to begin you know, with. You're going to go for the I look like Jesus as opposed to we have an ordained minister in here. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Uh, so let, me, let me throw out real quick. I got a comment on one of my videos recently that was literally just sick hair, bro, instantly subbed. And uh, that's my favorite <laughs> comment that I've got. That's amazing. I love it. Um, I don't have hair to compliment anymore. <laughs> I like You're the like comments. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks. Um, oh. I also meant to say, Robert, I'm super jealous because um, the, uh, the NHL is doing a stadium series. They're putting up a hockey rink in Fenway Park. Mm, um, I saw that, yeah. Next year. And if I lived anywhere close, I'd like to go. But uh, <laughs> they've done that in Wrigley before. Really cool experience. Um, I would imagine. I've never been. But it's also usually like in January when it's the coldest. Yeah. They, they scheduled an outdoor game New Year's Day this year in Minnesota. It was like negative 16. Well, doesn't <clears throat> my goodness. That was the Winter Classic. Doesn't the ice turn to slush sometimes if it's too warm? So yes. like you would like a they've got They've gotten good enough that they have proper insulation for the ice itself. Usually it's still a little slushier than normal, but yes, it is a problem. Um, so I guess if you score first and then just hope that the ice melts... Yeah. Win by default. Win by default. Uh, all right, Studio Six Six Six. This is a uh, Foo Fighters ish movie. Yes. Um, I don't. Did they come up with the idea of a movie, or did somebody be yes. like, "Yo, Dave Grohl, you know, it'd be fun." No, Dave Grohl got story credit on this. All right, uh, legendary rock band Foo Fighters moving to an uh, moving to an Encino mansion uh, steeped in grisly rock and roll history uh, to to record their much anticipated tenth album. This release is January twenty fifth in theaters only. That shocks me. Um, <laughs> this I don't know. This is something that you would expect from like buy the physical album and it'll come with yeah. a DVD of this as well, or like it'll come with a digital code for this, or you know, or like a, at least a code for you activate it and you can watch it once in 48 hours or like a vod like this just doesn't feel like a theater movie you know we certainly would get more um let's see obviously the foo fighters on here jenna ortega whitney cummings uh leslie Gro- uh, grossman will forte jeff carlin uh jason trost it's like some notable people in here besides just dave Grohl. um yeah <clears throat> Uh, let's assume this is a theater release. Let's assume uh, the only thing keeping you back from seeing this movie is your own free will. Uh, Shane, you've already seen this movie, so I'm going to ask Robert first. Uh, Robert, would you go see this movie opening weekend? Wait for a matinee. Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on streaming service you already paid for. Or are you not interested? I am not interested in this movie. Are you interested in the Foo Fighters 10th album? Uh, I couldn't name a single Foo Fighters song. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I'm not a big fan, but like I know of some. Like My Hero, that scene from the other guys where they jump off the roof, that's Foo Fighters. Uh, with The Rock and Sam Jackson. Uh, Everlong is uh, one of their biggest hits. Um, I do know uh, the first one. Yeah, um, and the uh, they had a lot of hits on like Walk and most. I don't. I'm. I'm a. Yeah, I don't know. They have a. a. They have a couple of hits that I think are fine, but I'm not ultimately a Foo Fighters fan, um, and I am also not interested in the movie. Um, uh, 
Look, I think Shane is going to probably like try to convince me later that it probably is going to be more like this. I wish I'm fine with a movie like this. It's just I wish it maybe leaned a little bit more of like a Tucker and Dale versus evil kind of style humor as opposed to like a hell baby kind of humor. Like, isn't that wasn't that a movie with Rob Cordroy? It had to be. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you can't get through film history and a history of horror movies without making a movie called that. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. This looks like cheap, stupid humor that's going for a Tucker and Dale versus Evil. But like, you can easily, you can obviously tell some of the stunts that they're trying to pull, and it just looks like it looks like they're having a blast on set. Yeah. But I'm not having a blast watching it, and that's a problem. So yeah, that trailer was just like. Hey, it looks kind of cool if it's the actual Foo Fighters playing themselves. Interesting conceit. Mm-hmm. I still don't care, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in the idea of this movie. Right. I'm not interested in the movie itself at all. Because is it also like Shane can answer if if he so wishes? Is it also like a slasher or like a body horror type? Yes. Because like, I accidentally clicked on the Red Band trailer, and then all of a sudden there was like saws coming through faces, and I was like, oh, yes. okay. I purposely clicked on the Red Band trailer. Because if I'm going to watch a trailer for a movie like this, it's got to be the Red Band one. Mm-hmm. Blood and guts everywhere. It It's definitely leaning into that. Yeah. yeah right. I'm just, I just don't have the horror background, and I'm just not interested in that type of horror. And I'm just like, more power to the people who are interested in this, but it's not going to be for me. Yeah, same. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right, and Shane, you've seen this, so like, super quick. Are we right? Are we wrong? You know, for people listening at home, maybe there is an audience for this movie. You know, this movie is stupid, <laughs> but there's fun to be had, nice. and you can tell Dave Grohl has charisma and can act in front of a camera, but the rest of the Foo Fighters can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward, but nice. like it's. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but like, there's definitely a lot of flaws with this movie. This is the kind of thing that it's on a streaming service. You have a bunch of people over, you're drinking, and you're just laughing along with this movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. Not the kind of thing like you want to go out to a theater and like sit there and like, I want to experience a film today. Well, not and that's well, and that's even the thing like with Jackass. Like, man, I can't remember the last time that I had so much fun in a movie theater and like. Oh, you know, I, uh, it, it, it even it even like that itself has gotten to the point where it's not even I only care when they're doing stunts. I just care. I'm having fun that these guys are even just hanging out on set because they're having fun hanging out on set. And it looks like Dave Grohl's having a lot of fun. He does. He and has. A lot that's of fun. about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Side note: I almost choked laughing so hard underneath my mask twice during yeah. Jackass in the theater. I had so much fun with that movie. Yeah, I my my face hurt for a while after that one. The second most popular review on Letterboxd for uh, Studio Six 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 is just Scooby Foo. So that, that seems interesting. <laughs> at least. Yeah, but I feel like all these early Letterboxd reviews. I mean, as we're talking about this, is still embargoed. Like, I feel like a lot of these early letter people just trying to crack jokes. Or like, yep. I saw I saw a review the other day that was in a movie that I think I hated. Um, and it was like five stars and it was or it, like, maybe it didn't come out yet. I don't know, but it was like five stars. Cause I know this is going to be great. And it was like, mm. yeah, no. you shouldn't be able to review you're it. The, you're you. the problem. You're everything that's wrong with film criticism. I thought we left you behind an IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you follow us to letterbox? Right. <laughs> um, 
But you can check out my full thoughts as it pops up on Sif Pop sometime this week. Oh, there we go. And probably Wednesday Reviewer. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Oh, well, that's the one that's coming soon. Anyway. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> there's also uh, no exit. Um, this is a Hulu original film, uh, only on Hulu, February 25th. Um, so this Friday, this weekend. Uh, let's see, synopsis here we got for this was During a blizzard stranded at an isolated highway rest stop in the mountains A college student discovers a kidnapped child Hidden in a car belonging to one of the people inside um, Not really anybody I recognize in this cast uh, I mean, maybe it's some like faces that are the like, Allstate oh, yeah. guy. oh yeah, Dennis Haysbert, there you go Dennis Haysbert The president from 24 I didn't, he's, he's like the fifth or sixth listed person um, And Pedro Serrano And I was half paying attention to the trailer um, Yeah, the uh, The Look, th- there'll be one thing that I'll talk about that'll summarize my feelings for the in a second. Um, but Shane, let's start with you this time. Um, no exit. Again, same parameters. Um, you know, nothing but your own free will is keeping you from seeing this movie. Um, how soon would you go check it out based off of interest level? Opening weekend matinee, rent at home, streaming service you already pay for, or not sure, or not interested? I feel like the premise in Dennis Haysbert is just enough to get me to watch this on a streaming service. Mm. Luckily, it is. So yeah. then I'll watch it. Like acting like I wasn't going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's the, that's the idea of this, right? Exactly. Shane is opening weekend for every single movie. <laughs> now, usually advance for most movies. That's true. Um, Shane's going to see the Batman. Uh, I swear, but, if I actually could bring guests, I would. I'm yeah. actually only kind of jealous because I'm still not sold on it. But we'll talk about that next. Um, I didn't buy the IMAX tickets because by the time I got to the website, they were like just the corners, and I was like, well. There's that, and I don't know that I care enough. Um, We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Robert, uh, what are you laying on no exit? Um, The the second to last one, (laughs) streaming service I already pay for. (laughs) Yeah. Because it, like, seemed fine, but it's, again, just like, oh, people are in a house. Who's the killer? It's, like, doesn't really interest me. But if it gets, like, solid reviews and I'm looking for something to watch, maybe I'll pop it in. Pop it on. Yeah, I'm going to be right there with you guys. Um, streaming service I already pay for. There's one big reason for that. I mean, uh, I'm really not necessarily interested in this movie. Nothing about the trailer grabbed me. Nothing about the premise of the cast really grabbed me. Honestly, the fact that it's a Hulu original is the thing that's kind of coming at me best because, I mean, Palm Springs is one of my favorite recent films. They've done a lot of good documentary stuff recently. Um, in and of itself, Hulu original, at least again here in the States, um, lots of stuff that I really love um, that is Hulu original now. And it's like, they're kind of becoming, they're slowly getting there and they're still, you know, probably less reliable to have a good than obviously like Apple TV or even like, I don't know, I feel like Netflix is still ahead of them. Um, HBO is ahead of them, at least ahead of Hulu. But like Hulu is starting to earn some credibility with their original titles. And so like that's an exciting thing for me, but this is a 20th century studio films. I get the feeling that either this was a movie that was already announced before the Disney Fox merger and since Disney owns a majority share of Hulu now, it feels like they don't have any faith in this movie, and it's just getting dumped on Hulu. And that's kind of, like um, I don't know Netflix because movie. yeah, exactly. Which I am <laughs> going to be watching because I just yeah. want to see the Anadarmus Ben Affleck movie because I just want to see like why is it made all this ruckus? The the tender bar, right? No, no, no. no. Deep is it oh, deep, deep water? water. Yeah, that deep. got pushed back. Well, it's coming out to on Hulu like yeah, in March. Next month. Right, yeah. It was supposed to come out last month, but yeah, I could put March? Okay. Yeah, they just announced like three days ago or something. Cool. Uh, With a risque trailer. Well, I'll talk about it next. Ooh. Um, <laughs> you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Uh, hey, hey, 
Not around me. It's <laughs> going to be the best running gag of this whole show tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's I, I don't I look I don't know. Like maybe maybe this is, 20th Century Studios is still making original films that weren't dedicated to Fox. Like they are their own studios still at this point under the Disney umbrella. I don't, I don't buy that this necessarily was one of those, or at least it doesn't feel like it was one of those. And it doesn't show a quality that makes me think otherwise. And we're at the point officially, it's been too long for Disney to be releasing Fox movies or movies that were made by Fox, um, you know, and, and not, and me have faith in them still, you know, yeah. cause it's like, there's a reason they were shelved, you know, and look, February is also a bad release month just throughout. Um, and that includes streaming services. I mean, United States versus, versus Billy Holiday was a Hulu original last year, and that movie is garbage. So, like, you know, last year was an exception because of Oscars being extended to February. So we got like Judas and the Black Messiah in February. That's a great movie. Yeah. But aside from last year, even Cyrano didn't want to stay in February or January for that matter. <laughs> right. And well, and it's like that doesn't mean to say that there's not good movies that come out. horror typically does really well in february and so does uh so does obviously rom-com so you know and marry me is not the worst movie i've ever seen so that's that's got that going for it i want you back was quite solid was it yeah I, it's a little long the, but i really the, enjoyed it the charlie day one yeah yeah the charlie I day like, jenny i like, charlie, I that I like yeah. charlie day enough that i've considered checking that one out i know I you have, don't like rom-coms and it's very rom-commy but i mean i, I love rom-coms and that's why i liked it I like rom-coms if they can do anything remotely, like, interesting. Not it's just, like, here's your paint-by-numbers, Nicholas Sparks, whatever. Instead so, of, it's like strangers on a train in a rom-com, except it, instead of yeah. killing each other, they're like, let me break your ex up with their new person. All right, I'm going to watch this movie tonight. <laughs> maybe not tonight, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> they should just hire me on their marketing campaign. <laughs> so, so, so no exit, right? Like, <laughs> We're all at the exact same place. Like, is there any more, like, is there any reason to keep talking about this? Nope. nope. All right. <laughs> you said nope. Well, on that note, let's uh, move on to network. Before we do, quick Patreon shout out. Uh, Patreon exists for the Simple Writers Room has for, for uh, since the start of the year. Um, three different tiers you can join up for. There's a $5 tier where you get access to these episodes uh, Tuesday mornings uh, and uh, Central Time. It's somewhere between 9 and noon, however generous I'm feeling, slash if it's done. Sometimes Tuesday, like 5, whatever. Uh, it's just the once. Uh, um, you also get access to exclusive... or to, That's a $5 tier. Um, the $10 tier is you get access to um, one special bonus review a month. Death on the Nile came out uh, last week. Uh, that's an exclusive for this month on Patreon. If you sign up now, you can check out this one. Um, if you sign up now and you're listening and now is 2025, you can still sign up. And, and I mean, I guess if Patreon's still, the world's still around, you know. Um, but uh, that's the $10 tier. You get access to one extra bonus review a month. And you get a vote on what that one is. And then for um, the $20 a month tier, you can um, pick something that you want me to watch. Um, and this is a new development. At least for now, you get access to whatever the other $20 a month people pick. Um, so Shane picked, um, uh, the dead asleep on Hulu and I watched that. And so you can have access to my thoughts on that. And, um, I finally watched Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth because Rowan was like, Hey, you shouldn't watch Pan's Labyrinth. I'm paying you to watch Pan's Labyrinth. And I'm like, mm-hmm. great. Um, I'll finally watch Pan's Labyrinth. So you can hear my thoughts on that as well. Um, you should, so do you still do, Oh, go ahead, Shane. I was just going to say, you should join the cool kids of Shane and Rowan in the $20 tier and become patrons. $20 tier is where it's at for sure. <laughs> 
Do you still do reviews? Uh, not for patrons. Uh, there, there are some. There's a one exclusive uh, mid tier um, per month. Uh, but like, like Moonfall was a regular published one. Uh, but Death on the Nile wasn't. You know, I imagine March poll hasn't gone up. But like, I imagine regardless whether Patreon picks it or not, I'm gonna do a Batman one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe deep water, you know, <laughs> um, hey, what you know, did I say? <laughs> like there, there's no way, there's no way I'm not doing a Dr. Strange one, whether Patreon picks it or not. So yeah. I guess, I guess it's just whether or not, you know, the, the patrons want to be selfish or not. Like, uh, be like, <laughs> only I'll know what he thinks of the Batman. Uh, <laughs> and I you know, I'm trying to like be respectful. Like you won't know my opinions on death of the Nile, at least my full thoughts other than a letterbox, unless you're a patron. So, um, I was, so I put on a lot of things on the February poll that was like, you know, like you can pick for me to watch marry me. Like you can certainly do that. I don't really want you to, but you can make me watch that. So I got to pick the yeah. lost city just so that I can listen oh to my you God, talk. No, please don't. <laughs> talk about What's Sandra wrong with the lost Bullock. City? I'll talk about it soon. I just, it looks like the worst movie ever. <laughs> I'm a, I, t- spoilers, I am completely uninterested in The Lost City. Not even honest, a little bit. Shane, you know tense, what to do. <laughs> the five minutes that I guarantee Brad Pitt's actually in the movie, I'm going to love it. And then he's going to die or something and not be in the rest of the movie. And then I'll be sad. Mm. Daniel Radcliffe's in it, though. And I like him fair uh well you know shane knows what to do uh you know what to do sign up for patreon make me watch the lost city next month how about that um to five dollars a month ten dollars a month twenty dollars a month sifpop.com slash sifpop wr all right there should also be a link for that in your episode description so boom made it easy for you um let's talk about network finally all right network's 1976 movie streaming on hbo max um let's see let's start off with a synopsis a, a, a Sorry, it's available to stream on HBO Max currently. You know, it's not exclusively there. Uh, it's not an HBO Max original. 1976 film made exclusively for <laughs> HBO Max. Uh, let's see. Uh, a television network cynically uh, a, te- a television network cynically exploits a deranged former anchor's uh, ravings ad uh, revelations. Probably raging is what IMD people are terrible. Um, raging ad revelations about the news media for its own profit, but finds that his message may be too different, difficult to control. A little bit of history on why this movie might be considered for our goats. Uh, lots of history, actually. Um, let's see. This is an 8.1 on IMDb, makes it the 220th highest rated film of all time, an 82 on Metacritic, a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, at least the critic score, and a 4.2 aggregate on Letterboxd. Um, Let's see, this was nominated for Oscars for Best Picture, Best Lead Actor, William Holden, Best Supporting Actor, Ned Beatty, uh, Best Director, Sidney Lumet, uh, Cinematography, Owen uh, Roisman, and Editing, Alan Heim. Oscar wins for uh, Lead Actor, Peter Finch. This is, uh, by the way, the first posthumous performance um, award given, um, and the only, at least for Lead Actor, until Heath Ledger. Um, so those are the only two posthumous award uh, awards given at the Oscars for lead actor. Uh, best lead actress for, for Faye Dunaway. Best supporting actress for Beatrice Strait. Five minutes and two seconds of screen time. Still the shortest performance Oscar of all time. Um, all categories for performance. Five minutes and two seconds. That's the time to beat Anne Hathaway. Eat your heart out. Um, <laughs> um, and also one for best original screenplay, Patty Chayefsky. Uh, BAFTA nominations for film direction. It was just BAFTA at the point, not T. Uh, 
but BAFTA nominations for um, film direction, uh, William Holden, Faye Dunaway, Robert Duvall for supporting actor, screenplay, editing, and sound. Uh, and it won for Peter Finch, best uh, lead actor. Writers Guild of America uh, gave this the best screenplay for a drama. And the year that this released, this was inducted in the National Film Registry in 2000. Uh, there was a state ad ad adaptation of this by Lee Hall in London in 2017. It came to Broadway in 2018 and stars Brian Cranston as Howard Beale. I'm super interested in that. I think that's a great, great cast. Shane's jaws dropped. Like, that sounds so good. Um, AFI. This is on 100 Years, 100 Movies, number 66. 100 Years, 100 Laughs. This was nominated. Uh, this one I thought was really interesting. 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. Diana Christensen was nominated, I think, for villain. That's interesting. Um, I would have thought the Robert Duvall character would have been the one nominated, but that's fine. Uh, I'm not AFI. 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary, number 60, moving up two slots. Uh, two final things here. Aaron Sorkin said about this movie, no predictor of the future, not even Orwell, has been as right as Chayefsky was when he wrote Network. And Thanks. this is Jim Carrey's favorite movie. That's Orwellian. That's so Orwellian. <laughs> so Orwellian. Uh, and this is Jim Carrey's favorite movie of all time, which just makes a lot of sense. So... Uh, a little bit of history with this movie. Um, Shane, you're the only one of us that has seen this. Uh, yes. What is um, like a little bit of first time you stumbled upon it? How many times have you seen it roughly? All that all that good stuff. History with the movie. So I think I saw this when I decided I was going to watch the AFI 100. And that was the first time I watched this. And then I've watched it. This is my fourth time re I'm watching this to rewatch this for this. Before that, I watched it almost two years ago to the day because I keep track nice. of stuff on the spreadsheet. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, and I had watched it because I had a poster of like one of those 100 movie posters. And yeah, yeah. Like, Net Network was on it. And so oh, I got to check mine. I have one of those scratch off ones. I'm sure network is on it. Yeah. So I've seen and labyrinth probably as well. There you go. You're checking them off. Got to go scratch, scratch it off. Scratch them off. Um, yeah. So this was my fourth time watching this movie and Thanks. got really weirded out with some of the things they were saying, especially talking about, you know, inflation and oil issues and Russian invasions. And I'm like, <laughs> um, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, we'll get there. Uh, Robert, uh, neither of us had seen this movie. I mean, is this a movie that you had like had on your radar for a while? Is or and or like what's uh, what made you excited about watching this movie? Yeah, it was just like most of these movies. It's one of those that was like people say is one of the greatest ever, and I was like, show me what streaming service it's on. And I guess until recently, it hadn't been on anything, or at least anything mm -hmm. I had. So uh, yeah, I was just excited to finally finally watch it. I think yeah. this is one of the movies. When you're when you join the Sif Pop proper and they do the Patreon pre-show and they do two truths and a lie for what movie you've seen or two lies and a truth, whichever. This is one yeah. of the ones I chose, and uh, it, it helps stump Andrew. I think. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, uh, well, sometimes you're like, I've never heard of this movie until you said, "Let's watch that movie." Mm -hmm. and but at least we started to kind of talk about these together, um, and we put out Twitter polls to make it more interesting. So. I don't remember what people picked this over, but you picked it. Um, and uh, my my my, I hadn't seen it. Um, I had heard of it for a while. My my biggest reason for wanting to watch this is just the um, the Peter Finch performance. I mean, this just being kind of like literally Oscars history because the first posthumous award given. Um, he died after release of the film too. 
um, it was not long before the ceremony. Um, he like had an interview with Jimmy Johnny Carson, and then the next morning had a heart attack, age sixty. Um, and it was like maybe a month before, like that. So it, this wasn't like sometimes we hear like, like filming raps, and then somebody dies a couple days later. This was he had already filmed another movie. Um, so Network came out in November. He died in I think late January. Um, that was the biggest reason, you know, and especially as we network was talked a lot um, at last year's Oscar ceremony because Chadwick Boseman being nominated posthumously, um, you know, there was people frequently talking about him because this has only happened, or only, this has only been happened where somebody won twice, Heath Ledger uh, for the for the Joker in the Dark Knight and Finch Network. So that was my biggest thing was like that's exciting. Um, I honestly didn't even know it won all the uh, all the Oscars, or at least was nominated for all the Oscars until. Um, till I was doing the legacy portion of this. So yeah, it was an interesting year in film because all the president's men, Rocky and Taxi Driver, all came out this year. And Rocky uh, won Best Picture and won Director, which I think is interesting. Um, so yeah, that's one of those kinds of things. It's like feel good Rocky movie, and then it's like you have Network and Taxi Driver. Yeah, and, well, and I remember wasn't even nominated. Well, and I remember even seeing that this was, um, like, had the most nominations for a film since something. Ben-Hur, uh, maybe. Streetcar Named Desire in 51. Uh, no, sorry, it was that it, it won three of the four acting awards. Yeah. The only film to do that before that was Streetcar Named Desire. And then I maybe since was uh, Mystic River, I think. Probably. I mean, if Mass would have been nominated this year. But yeah, like, this movie has, how do you think Robert Duvall felt? That he was like the only like big name person in this movie who didn't get nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> He's just chilling there. It's like Paulie from Rocky got nominated well, for Best Supporting Actor. Hold on though, hold on though. William Holden was big because he's in Sunset Boulevard before this. Well, no, he got nominated for Best Lead Actor and lost to Peter Finch. Yeah, no, but you but you're saying like Robert Duvall wasn't the only big actor in here. No, the only, the only one, one to get not get nominated. Oh, not get nominated. Got it. Ready to pull to, uh, pull a Tom Hagen on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess it, 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 it depends on the competition, and it depends on lots of things, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be that's interesting. But I mean, he won an Oscar already by this point, right? Didn't he win for one of the Godfather movies? He was he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the first Godfather, I think. I know he's at least nominated, but well, uh, let's give our rating. Um, Robert, let's start with you. Network. Did you like it? Love it? Hated it? Dislike it? Or think it's just okay? I liked it. Nice. Just firm, straight, dead set. Liked it. I think so. I finished it uh, <laughs> like an hour ago, so I haven't <laughs> fully processed it yet. Robert's playing the role of Aaron this week. Yeah. Uh, it's Shane. Uh, like it? Love it? Hated it? Dislike it? Think it's just okay? Loved it. Loved it. I had a feeling, I mean, you picked to be on this episode after we picked Network, but also, like, you know, I could see, you know, the desire to be like, I don't understand why people like this movie, or, you mm-hmm. know, there, there there are frequently movies that I watch three or four times that it's like, maybe I'll like it this time, you know, like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, <laughs> and then I, also, I never do, you know? But despite what you might think from my channel, I do enjoy talking about movies I like more often <laughs> than I do. <laughs> so... Yeah, I was gonna say if you're deliberately talking about a movie, I would I would think it's something that you like or love. Yeah, it gets tiring talking Probably. about things that are just like, oh, uh, why am I watching all these like five dollar budgeted horror movies? Yeah. But I mean, from Shane's perspective, I mean, if if if, if he didn't like Network, there you know, he could hop on here and say something along the line of like, 
you know, like, I just want to hear why people like this movie. I don't get it. And here's why. And, you know, maybe even alter our rate. That's fair. Um, you know, uh, all right. Uh, I am in the low side of love. I'll be right between you guys. Um, so, uh, nice. Good spread. But all of us in the positive camp. Um, Next category. Great. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Where do we want to start? Uh, the first note I wrote down was this is the movie Adam McKay wishes he made. Um, yeah, I mean, for real, right? Yeah, it's like, it has a finger on a pulse, uh, it's prescient, it mm-hmm. knows what it's talking about, it's smart, it's quick. It's satire? It's Yeah, it's satire, um, but it's not full of itself. And it's relevant yeah. today, yeah. as yeah. in like, this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I literally, so I was sitting there with my fiance watching this, and I literally pressed paused on my DVD, I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just say all this inflation and uh, raising oil prices and Russian invasions? I'm like, did this movie come out yesterday? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it really feels like it could have come out at any point in the last five years. Like, Well, and you know what's funny is Adam McKay did make this movie with Anchorman, Anchorman 2. That's true. <laughs> Look. Look, I'm not gonna lie. I watched Anchorman the day after I watched this movie because I was like, I want the I want the other side of, you know. Well, and because like I love Anchorman, the whole yelling, angry, inciting mm-hmm. news anchor is a thing that ha- like every time I go into Yahoo in the morning, there's a new clip of one particular person that I'm just like, yep, that's about it. And See, it's funny you say one particular person because I don't know who you're talking about because like five or six different people come to mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I guess it's my Yahoo algorithm, but somebody with a bow tie just mm. keeps popping up every single goddamn morning. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's like that, that this is what a lot of news networks are is yelling, fear, like just. I'm mad as hell and trying to get other people to go outside their homes and like you literally yell in the streets. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like this movie is way too relevant and all of the, like the particular scene with Ned Beatty, where mm-hmm. you get to hear him, like he, you know, casually brings Peter Finch into that long boardroom and just goes off. And the whole entire thing where it's like, there's, there's no countries. There is no government. There is no, this is the mighty dollar. And it's just like, you will atone. <laughs> and it's like a religious experience. It's like, that's the whole thing. And like Howard Beale's show has like stained glass windows behind him mm-hmm. on the stage and everything. It's like, he's going up there and preaching and it's like warping religion. It's warping democracy. And it's mm-hmm. all about the money. So I'm going to the- jump-, oh, go jump off what you said earlier, Robert. This this is a really great balance of how to do satire. I mean, I specifically wrote this is a great balance of satire without being the over the top like some of Adam McKay stuff. Yeah, because like I love Don't Look Up, but I wish it was more along the lines of this movie as opposed to in both movies. All of these characters are playing caricatures of themselves, but one of them is very silly and very obvious, and one of them is a little bit more subtle. Um, like Don't Look Up being the subtle one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, the but like, th- there's a there's a sense of like dickishness that comes across with the tone that Adam McKay makes these mm-hmm. films, and like, 
you don't get that with with network. You don't get that Sydney Sydney Lumet is trying to be an asshat. You just get the sense that he's trying to tell a story with satire, with consequences, with like real call for if you don't think differently, this is what's going to happen. Like, yeah. So I, I just kind of want to jump off like that. Like you, like we said, we already mentioned that Adam McKay and obviously that was going to have to come up at some point, but like, yeah. this is a great example of how you balance something. Um, and I think it's okay. I like both. I like both the over the top ridiculous and this more subtle, but one of them is certainly more affecting than the other. Well, I think if we want to continue this comparison, to Adam McKay, I feel like the big short got that a yeah. lot. Yeah. Certainly better than like, Don't Look Up, yeah. More focus. And, like, I think what benefits Network is there's humanity here to some of these characters. Like, Howard Beale is going insane, but, like, he has a friend who legitimately mm-hmm. cares about him on some level. And William Holden is trying to, like, trying to have his best interest at heart while balancing, like, everybody else has his worst interests at heart so that they can make the most money off of him. And then you do have the whole entire dynamic William Holden and his wife and his relationship with Faye Dunaway. And I do have to make one point because when he started talking about like, you know, the kind of feelings that like somebody my generation actually still has human feelings and stuff like that. And the first thing that popped in my head is like, that's such an okay boomer thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but she's the boomer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because I'm guessing he's like, the greatest generation or mm-hmm. the silent generation in between. I just thought that yeah. was hilarious. Cause like my first reaction is like, that would be such a boomer thing to say. And then he's saying it to him. Huh? I guess these generational things just keep cycling yeah. and are still relevant today. Yeah. So, and I think that's like what I loved what Sorkin said when I saw that quote, I'm like, yes, like a hundred percent. Cause there's something so prophetic about this. It's ridiculous in terms of what he's able to do. Well, and there's a difference of being kind of on the right track and being so precise in predicting how things... I I made a note that, like, this satire predicted a lot of things right, but typically satires are radical allegories of what's already happened or, like, what is currently happening. You know, take Don't Look Up, for example. But, like, this one really felt way ahead of its time. Um, you know, like it, it seems like a lot of times we're looking back. This one is looking towards the future, um, primarily. Like I was just got like I don't know that I can enjoy an Adam McKay movie after watching this. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the thing that you guys have kind of hit on that leads into my big thing of why I'm only in liked it is that I thought like I knew exactly what this movie was going to be, and I agreed with everything that it had to say. That by the end I was just like. Yep, great. All right, moving on. Um, an interesting comparison that no one else will make is like the movie Nine Days that came out last year. Like I, when I saw the the premise for that, like I knew exactly what it was going to be, and if I and I knew I was going to be interested in it, and if I didn't have that mindset going in, I would have loved it a lot more than I did, and instead mm. I just liked it. Um, so that's my thing with Network is like the uh, the boardroom scene that you were talking about, Shane, with, with Ned Beatty. Um, I was, I was like, I I know all this stuff. That's how America is. And that's what I hate about it. And that's like what gives me anxiety every day. All like literally every single thing that they talk about in this movie is what I think about and what like uh, sits in my mind. And it's like, oh man, this is a great movie. And this is incredible for how it predicted all this stuff. This is smart people behind it. 
incredible actors within it, bringing it all to life. And, um, but, and for all of those reasons, it paradoxically just didn't connect with me the way that it should have. Sure. And like, I, I totally understand. And and for the most part, even agree with you. I mean, I I don't know that this film necessarily took any left turns I was expecting other than like the very last thing that happens in the movie. Um, I mean, like, you know, it's coming, but like going into the movie, I didn't know that's where the movie's going to end, which is shocking um, just because I feel like something that iconic mm-hmm. um, you know, should have been spoiled for me. And it's that's very true. likely I'd seen it, but not known anything in context. I knew the uh, mad as hell uh, speech, but didn't know that ending. So that was right. Good. Right. And the, um, but like, even when he goes into the scene to talk about the president, um, or to talk with the president of the company, like, you just know, like, he, this isn't, they're making it seem very dour and very drastic and very, you're in trouble now. But like, he wouldn't schedule a meeting for later that day. He would get down there and, you know, rip your ear and pull you off stage and then probably have you killed in a back alley because this is 1976. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this. Like, I, I'm like, this is going to turn out, like, not the way that anybody, ex- like, I don't know, it didn't necessarily took, take twists and turns, it kind of knew where the movie was going to go, but I just kind of went along for the ride, and so I, like, I can understand, expectations were super high for me as well, especially in terms of the acting, and I was just like, oh, I've only heard about how good Peter Finch is this movie, but holy crap, Beatrice Strait is so stinking good in that five minutes she's in, mm-hmm. I legitimately wrote in my notes, like, she's terrific, how did she not get an award? And then I looked up, it's like, oh, she did. And she won it. Like, you know, like, because again, the only Oscar you ever hear about this movie is Peter Finch's. Um, this movie won a ton of them and was nominated for a ton of them. I'm just like, she might even like be the best actor in this movie, at least ratio to screen time and all that. Because her five minutes are so damn good. Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah I, I didn't, I, I also, the only other thing I'll say on that of like expectations versus reality was, I expected the whole movie to be about the Peter Finch side of the storyline, but that's really only a third of this movie. And once it really starts to get going, once they give him the Howard Beale show, they kind of just like, all right, we're going to let that sit for a while. Now let's explore Max having an affair with Faye Dunaway. And also let's explore some of the like hierarchy stuff, you know, the, the Diana and Robert Duvall stuff. It's like, Oh, I thought, I thought that was the movie we were getting. I didn't know we were also doing these. Like I was totally fine with that one. But I guess I'm also totally fine if it's also all these like. Yeah. And I, I want to clarify, I'm not stating that like as a negative, that it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Sure. It's just like just the way that I experienced it. Like I said, I agreed with everything in it and <laughs> and it was presented expertly like and I was like, all right, what is the point of this whole affair thing? This kind of seems out of left field. I don't know what, what this seems like. It doesn't really relate to everything else. And then by the end, it did perfectly. And mm-hmm. I was like. You know, this is all really great. <laughs> I, I was, I, I did think it was a little bit slow at some at certain times. So Me like, too. um, even if like I wasn't expecting it to be like this, I still don't know if I would be in love it as much as like high side like it. But like, like I said, it should be in love it for me. But for some reason, it just didn't like hit me or give me anything new or an or an emotional experience or anything like that. The the slowness is why I'm in the low side of loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a point in this movie between. Max admitting to his wife that he's having an affair with Faye Dunaway and we we, we got to assassinate this guy. That's kind of dragged for me. But like it's kind of needed to really tie in the ending. And I don't know, maybe on a rewatch it won't feel as slow. But I was definitely like, this movie could have been a crisp hour 40 and maybe been better for it. But I don't know that that's actually true. Um, you know, maybe it's just like 
oh, I thought we were kind of wrapping some things up. And you're right. The affair thing seems like, I don't know that this is really like needed. Like I, I wrote my note. There are three storylines here. Diana expanding the network, um, Howard's mental breakdown and Max's affair. And I'd see a whole film on any one of these three. Well, I think they each play into each other and that's what in the it end winds, makes it great. It winds up. Yeah. It winds up kind of connecting. And that's why, yeah, but like, I would have watched a whole movie on any one of these three. Like, mm-hmm. and I think they're all really interesting. And it's also interesting to hear the Sorkin quote, because as I was watching this, I was like, Oh, that's newsroom. Like you could just really tell how much of right. an impact this movie has. And even as I was watching Anchorman, I was like, that's network. Like, you know, it's, it's really, really interesting to see how just radical this movie is in terms of it's like, influence on on future work especially anything that has to do with news i mean i haven't seen it yet even what if only it it had influenced newsroom in the right ways i hated the first season i couldn't go on yeah well it looked like shane wanted to say something though i was just yeah i was just gonna say i thought it was interesting robert bringing up one of my one of my biggest things that i had against don't look up was that i hear all these jokes on twitter like I already hear like all of this commentary. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's interesting that because it's hard in 2022 to watch this film and see the freshness because we've been living this for mm-hmm. honestly our whole lives. Right. But I imagine this was very, very different in 1976 when this movie came out. The issue with don't look up is we're living this right now. And it's just like, it's talking about right now. Kind There's of nothing thing. smart about it to me. And don't look yeah. up. Well, that's a, like yeah. for me. It didn't. I, I love the movie, cool. and I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and like this is like biting and sharp. And there's certain things that happen. I'm just like, <laughs> I lost it honestly this time watching when it's just like, and that was the first time an anchor was murdered. Yeah, is <laughs> a low rating. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> and it just like. It had the attitude to just be like, I'm going to end my movie here. I'm going to literally say this. And you're just like, yep, that movie just did that. And that's the insanity about this film is you. I feel like it's one of those kinds of things where it's like, I feel like I know where this is going, but it won't do it right. It won't actually do it right. And this movie's just like, yeah, I will. Mm-hmm. And you're going to like Watch it. me. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and... I didn't know how I felt about the ending the first, like, I had to sit on it for a little bit. I was like, what's it, uh, like, uh, is it really just all on the surface or, like, like what, of what they're it? trying to say? Like, no, I was just like, it, it felt kind of abrupt and it felt kind of like, it, it, it's it's a little bit the most, like, not clever satire. Just the, you know, killing of the, the Peter Finch character that, um, oh, Howard Beale. Um, it does like, it, I mean, it felt it felt kind of like it veered from, oh, we were clever satire, and now we're, like, taking a sharp right turn into, like, Animal House. And, like, you know, it it was just like, oh, that's maybe a little jarring, but, like, I, th- I think it works really well, kind of, after I've got to sit on it for a little bit. But it was just like, they decide pretty quickly that their best option is just to straight up murder somebody on their network. Yeah. So there are so many different things that go into that, and I think that's why I love it. And that's why I was like... My immediately my immediate reaction is no I it's the ending is great because you got the people in the boardroom th- talking about like flippantly saying you don't have a recording device in here <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. they don't value his life no. this guy his entire life at this point is uh being mad as hell you know he's right 
Well, and you, there's not a single person in the room trying to argue against them assassinating him. Right. This guy is genuinely upset about this. He is out here trying to get out his his message that he like believes in with his entire life. Um, so much so that he was gonna <laughs> kill himself at the beginning. Um, and then you you have all of that. You have the people in the boardroom just being like, "Yeah, whatever. We got to get rid of him because he's he's messing with our ratings now." Mm-hmm. It shows that. And then you get into the into the actual recording of the show, and then you got the audience there. We haven't talked about the role of the audience because at first they're out in their on the balconies yelling, "I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore." But then it just becomes another piece of entertainment for them. You know, like, mm. there's no actual revolution. There's no actual social action. He doesn't enact anything. All he does is get a TV show where people come in and chant his his uh, his tagline or whatever along with him every night. And, well, and, it, and it even comes to the point that, like, they have to have a hype man hyping up the audience whenever he finishes a speech. It's like, no, the point was, like... You know, like You're supposed to be angry. Not the, not the point of the movie, right? The point of, like, him okay. speaking... Yeah. Is not to have a hype man say, get excited, say stuff. Yeah, you're right. Like, they need cue cards to be like, you know, welcome to the show. I'm mad as hell, and I can't take it. And it's like, no, like, I'm mad as hell, and I can't take it anymore. Like, But the way that it's all brought together with, like, he's shot, he's laying dead on stage, and then it zooms out to the four TV screens. Mm-hmm. And they're just yeah. going back to commercials. You know, yeah. it's just people talking about McDonald's and their flight and all that, like, that's the real nail in the coffin. Like after all of that, it's just like, it's just another, just another thing to distract the people while the, the people in the boardroom are, are getting their money. Um, the, the audience is just like, Oh wow, that was, that was entertaining. Let's watch coverage on it, on these, all these different news networks. So there's so many different so, avenues. Go ahead, Shane. What I love about this ending that also kind of influences one of my other favorite endings of a movie is the Truman show. Hmm. Because Truman has his big thing, and it's like, oh, what else is on? Yeah. <laughs> they just change yeah. the channel, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's just like people just move on to the next thing, and which is why it's like there's just a conveyor belt of newscasters. Once your ratings dip, we'll get the next person who will yell and say the same thing, or you know what? We're going to get the same person who's going to sit there and just yell whatever we want them to yell. And that's why you could have them yelling one thing one week, but when it's not doing what it needs to do for the network, they say something completely different the next week. Why it's all complete BS. Mm-hmm. And that whole entire situation with him like going after like the Arabs and oil, and then Ned Beatty's like, no, we need them. And it's just like, no, just kidding. That's not what the problem is. And then, you know he started becoming the messenger for the network and that's when his ratings started dropping. It wasn't passionate anymore. It wasn't his message. It's just the message that he's asked to go throw out there and then they'll find somebody else. They'll they'll air terrorism on air. Because (laughs) it'll get views or audience members. Yeah. Oh, so many things to talk about in this movie. Oh, and it's it's I just find it so crazy how relevant this movie actually is today. And I don't like it. Yeah. So that was one of the things. <laughs> you're, if, you're, you're mad as hell. <laughs> are, are you going to take it anymore, Shane? Um, unless they give me a TV show, give me a bunch of money and like I'll just dry my tears with the money. <laughs> Perpetuate the problem. I, I was just going to say, if I had been able to watch this, like if I had had the time to watch this further in advance, I would have like. 
done some research because Shane, you were talking before we got on to our sidetrack of the ending. Um, you were talking about like how revolutionary of ideas these might have must have been when the movie came out. Like as opposed to Don't Look Up, for example. Um, that's what I that's what I wanted to look into because Aaron, you and I talk about that idea a lot on this yeah. show. It's like wow, we're used to the cinematography of Citizen Kane now, but like back then, not as much. You know, the same thing with like these ideas. Um, they were much more out there, crazy. Probably like that's what I wanted. That's what I would have looked into. Well, and that's the thing too, because this was the seventies. Mm-hmm. Because up until like the late sixties, America was a very different place. Yeah. Film in yeah. America was a very different thing, and the seventies was the era of you know Scorsese and things like Network, where they were going for it. They had dark endings. They had things that like people weren't comfortable with, and. I think it was really a time period. And then, you know, the eighties came along and then, you know, kind of just swung back around in many ways. But like, mm-hmm. I think this was like the time and the pulse of like, this was a, an era of filmmakers. Cause like not only this, but the same year, all the president's men was yeah. about Watergate. Mm-hmm. And that was fresh. Like that just happened like a couple years before that. And that's crazy. And like taxi driver and how dark it is and like i love rocky i love rocky a lot but like it's so very interesting that rocky won best picture yeah of all of those movies this sh- i mean oh you uh taxi driver all the president's man rocky this one what was the other big one i'm trying to remember it was uh i didn't even remember if i had seen it before or not um i mean i but- probably like this I probably like all the president's men more, but like this feels like it should have won the best picture. Like, uh... and you know, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, and I'll argue that uh, Rocky is a great drama. I think most people just think Rocky and think like Rocky Four and an hour and a half of montages and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I mean, we talked about like, it on the podcast a couple. Months I remember, ago. I remember it's, that episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think either of us are as, as high on it, but yeah, you know, I like Rocky but, a lot. Unless you're uh, from Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area, I don't know how much Rocky has like an undeniably like deep connection. But like Network is something like that challenged people's perspective on things and was in your face about it. Right. I'm trying to find an answer to your question, Robert. The like, tr- if you would have loved to do more research, and unfortunately, like Wikipedia has a section that should be for this. Um, you know, under the legacy section that should be like, here's how it influenced lots of things. Here's what people thought at the time. And unfortunately it's usually just, it's, it's just this person said I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore somewhere. And like, although look here, here's maybe your Sorkin thing. Um, a, a character in the first episode of studio 60 on the sunset sunset strip has a on air breakdown that's compared to the mad as hell. So maybe that's your Sorkin's news show that you can like, um, uh, the, uh, but also well, I just, basically I just to Jeff Daniels this. in the first episode of, um, newsroom, oh, man, I, I'll, I'll watch so much of that. That's so good. Um, I, I wanted to point this out just cause man, there's a reason why Roger Ebert is arguably the best movie critic of all time. Uh, in a review for the film written for it after it received Academy Awards, he called it supremely well-acted intelligent film that tries for too much that attacks not only television, but also other ills of the 1970s though. What it does accomplish is so well done. It's seen so sharply presented so unforgivingly that network will outlive a lot of tidier movies. Mm-hmm. And he later adds, um, uh, yeah, 
I like he that. later adds it to his great movies list and says, like Prophecy, when Chayefsky created Howard Beale, Howard Beale, he could have imagined Jerry Springer, Howard Stern, and the World Wrestling Federation. And he credits <laughs> Chayefsky for knowing just when to pull out all the stops. Like, yeah. Brilliant. Isn't it crazy um, that Sidney Lumet made uh, 12 Angry Men uh, and then Network in the 70s, 20 years later, and then 25 years after, or 30 years after that, he's making. Um, the devil before the devil knows you're dead or whatever. It's like the guy had an insane career over yeah, he, I think five or six decades. I think the only ones I have seen are 12 angry men. And uh, um, this one now I haven't seen Serpico or dark day afternoon before the devil. Those are both great. Also the verdict is on my watch list. Oh, he directed the whiz do that. He did the murder on the Orient express, express and, too. Uh, yep. the original one. Yeah. I didn't do death on the Nile. He yeah, did a movie called Child's Play, but I don't think it is the Child's Play. He did the original Chucky. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> what the Ch- other best? Oh, go ahead, Shane. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say because like Sidney Lumet's doing pretty well for himself in my tournament mm-hmm. of trying to decide who the next director that we watch. And it's like I, he's one of those like if you think 70s directors, who you think of probably not Sidney Lumet, but like you probably should. He's yeah. all over it because like all day afternoon Serpico in this it's. Those are three great movies in the 70s. Why wasn't Al Pacino in this? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> Man, can you imagine Al Pacino as Howard Beale? Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes you can. No. <laughs> yes, that's, I that's can. The, I don't that, want that's to. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know if he Al Pacino'd out enough yet to that's quite true. get to Howard Beale. Man, I really want to see this Brian Cranston, Howard Beale. He'd only oh, done so Godfather good. 2 at that point. So by Godfather mm. 3, he's full Pacino, but yeah. Yeah. Like he had a lot of like alcohol problems and stuff like that in the eighties, oh, really? where his like career dipped. But like, isn't isn't I, he full blown Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon? No, no. Um, he screams uh, Attica, He's- Attica, Attica. Uh, but not like full blown. And then you know, like early eighties, he's in Scarface. Yeah. And then he comes out of the eighties into the nineties with Scent of a Woman, and like that is yeah, that becomes Pacino. Pacino. That boy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like this is such an amazing cast too. And it's interesting. Cause like, I have a deeper connection to like, I love William Holden. Cause like, I love sunset Boulevard bridge on the river. Kwai. Um, he was even in the towering inferno, which mm. I got to write about, you wrote about that which recently, is, which is a, a cat best picture nominated disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Or were the seventies a different time. Even they took disaster movies seriously. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, He's he's like the anchor to this because like I feel yeah. like a lot of the other characters are big just energy and he somebody has to be there to kind of be like us wading through all the madness and you just feel how like beat down by life he is and how just sad he is at the end of like he goes into this affair and Oh, his conversation with his wife is so uncomfortable yeah. because it's like he, you know, he's keeps saying it's like, she's like, do you love her? She's like, I'm infatuated. Yada, yada. So she's like, just stop saying these words. Just say that you love her. And just like, that's such a biting like relationship argument. It's just like, this makes me feel uncomfortable sitting here mm-hmm. watching that. And then the whole entire exchange he has with Faye Dunaway towards the end of the film when he's like breaking up with her, like the um, okay boomer moment. 
um, where he's just like biting into her, just like you have no human feeling at all. Right. And realistically, it's just like what we traditionally would consider like sympathy, like empathy and stuff like that. She just doesn't have it. Like she, <laughs> not She's to get Jake Gyllenhaal's character from Nightcrawler, basically. Just like, well, not to get a little too risque on this show, but you know, they're having sex and she's getting <laughs> off talking about yeah. all of her plans for the network. And it's just like, ah, uh, William Holden, you picked well. <laughs> and you can't all see what I'm face I made, but it was very sarcastic and like, yeah, right. Yeah. The, um, uh, I, I want to bring up one point, uh, real quick is that. Like, we all know the writing is excellent in this movie. Obviously, we've talked about how we praise this movie for that um, worthy of all the awards it gets. It's worthy of all the talk it gets. You should really look into there's um, Sidney Lumet was like notorious or not Sidney Lumet directed. Patty Chayefsky was really notorious for like writing on his notes and like not keeping them really private or like secure or, you know, whatever. And so like a lot of people have his notes. A lot of people have his screenplays and like there's a lot of different articles or different videos about like just some of the notes that he makes. Um, I was writing this or I was watching this one video that was like um, network, like why it's such a great screenplay or something like that or whatever. I don't know, like perfection in writing or something like that. And um, the Max and Dana character were initially one. Initially, it was supposed to be Max was a young forward thinking like any and like how the story had to change to like adapt a lot of things. It's like you could really see it, but it's like if you have any interest in and any interest in like checking out some of the like the way that a film comes together or the way that a film can change or the way that like you know use the expression like kill your babies, like where you where you really have to like sacrifice some of the things you love. Like check out check out some of the like notes on network. There's plenty of articles written about it. So just wanted to plug that a little bit. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. Uh, quick side story, and I promise I'm not going to go off on a tangent. One of my favorite stories of somebody looking at a screenplay and writing notes was Million Dollar Baby. Because Clint Eastwood gets the screenplay. Apparently, Clint Eastwood usually does rewrites on things that he directs, but he never actually writes his own films. He did all these notes and everything on Million Dollar Baby, looked at it, and was like, you know what? Nah, I'm just going to use the script they gave me. <laughs> And went back and sometimes it's like it's such an interesting process and that's so interesting that those characters were one and it's just like splitting those ideas and everything and it's like Robert I know we were just talking about The Departed in actual Infernal Affairs um, and Queenan and Dignam are the same character mm -hmm. and then like they're like split off in Scorsese's film and it's so interesting it's like characters could represent different things and like branch off from each other. And yeah. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what the experience was writing this movie. Just, I bet he was mad as hell. And it was like, I'm going to write all about it. <laughs> Just like sitting there at his typewriter, like furiously, like, ah, um, that's it. That's what I have to say. About it. I only have one more thing that I wrote down. Um, I, I would really be interested. It, look, I'm not saying I want, a remake, I think you could just release this movie again itself and it would be, you know. Um, I, but the whole time I was thinking, I would be really fascinated in this same story, but told in real time. Like, Howard Beale gets on the air and he announces, I'm being fired in two weeks and so in one week's time, I'm going to kill myself. And then, like, seeing kind of the outside 
of the news work and the network, like figuring out, like he's still on air for another hour. How are we going to like manage this? And you can even use like some of that as he's prepping to get on air and like potentially some of it at the end. Like I was like, I'd be really interested in a movie like that or, or even you change, change it. And he just says like, I've decided I'm going to kill myself at the end of this hour. Like, you know, and since he has a gun on him, like he can control, like make sure the camera stay on, like all this, like I'd be really interested in a movie like that. Obviously you'd lose a lot of the other. It's a different movie. Yeah. It's a completely different movie, but at least when I had that thought, it was before it was really three different stories intertwined. Mm -hmm. It was when it was just Howard Beale going mad. So I don't know. I sometimes, I don't know. I, my brain just kind of wanders and does those like, what I, I like this movie, but what if it did that? And sometimes it's really interesting. And sometimes it's like, that was stupid. <laughs> so, um, any other notes? Yeah, I wrote down the one, the one line that we haven't mentioned that I wrote down is, uh, Ned Beatty's character talking to Beale saying, you have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. And then, well, we already mentioned it in the intro. <laughs> Oh, we did. <laughs> I forgot that's the one I, I forgot that's the one I said. Um, no, but yeah, that's the the, the the depressing line with just like how true it is. Yep. Um, you mess with money, right? How dare you? You mess with money. This is what you get, and everything Pretty is money. Much. Yeah, this movie is great. I mean, I'm loving I'm loving this movie. The more we talk about it, so me and Aaron should come on. Uh, Lost in the Wasteland. If you talk about Sidney Lumet, just do this a second time. Hey, if that does happen and he wins, I'll have you both on for that episode. There we go, <laughs> listeners. You know what to do. Go to Shane's Instagram poll and vote for Sidney Lumet. You're gonna have to compete with my brother and his uh, whole entire crew of people. He's trying to get John Carpenter to win, mm. and Robert's one man <laughs> mission to get Ridley Scott to Ridley win. Scott. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my mission to get Tommy Wiseau in there, it did not. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is did not ever take off. <laughs> oh, when I get my next director and then there's going to be spots open for the next time I do this, I'm going to let people nominate people mm-hmm. to be added to the tournament next time. So should Tommy I be, Wiseau, expect- let's go. <laughs> should I be expecting a Tommy Wiseau nomination? At least one vote, at least one vote for Tommy Wiseau. Okay. Um, all right, uh, this is a goat for me. I'd add it to the Criterion Collection if I could. Yes, me too. This mm-hmm. is goat. Uh, Robert, uh, do you have an idea on where this goes into your um, list? Yeah. I had this at eleven, so just I'll probably bump it up at this point, honestly. But I had it just behind Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and Sunset Boulevard. Uh, yeah, I have it at twelve, actually, which is behind Rocky at ten and Dead Poet Society at. 11 yeah i'm probably going to move this up one or two spots by the time this launches i just just feel like the more we're talking about but like i still like i still have like quiz show ahead of this and like i still love quiz show more like may may not be as impactful or as important but yeah i love you just Um, move it up next to sunset boulevard so you can have william holden just mine are currently next to sunset boulevard there you go i have sunset boulevard at five so i'm not going to move it quite that far yeah (laughs) yeah uh, yeah. Anyway, um, thinking about it, I might actually move Sunset Boulevard a four. <gasps> yeah, I mean that's it's Flip gonna be that in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I'm ready for my close up. 
Uh, all right. On the next goats, uh, we'll be talking about the Great Escape. Just Robert and I. Uh, oh my gosh! Three and a half hour movie. I know. I watched. And that I have to watch the Great Escape and Silence and the Batman <laughs> in like it, two weeks' time. I watched. Plus, get the Oscars thing ready. Plus, right after the Oscars is all the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> so, for the March. record, I've probably watched the Great Escape a good ten times or more in my life. I don't think either of us have seen it, right? Because I watched that so many times with my grandfather mm-hmm. growing up, so much. He's also the one who showed me The Godfather when I was 10 years old. Nice. So, bad influence. <laughs> the Godfather is getting a um, 4K release next month, March 22nd. Yes, and it's going to be in theaters. As well as, yeah, they're, they're running it. I mean, I just hope the 4K fixes the sound quality. Pre-ordered it, because um, even the Blu-rays are just terrible sound. Um, but I might go see it in theaters. Just because... That's got to be the best viewing. So I don't have any movies to see this weekend in theaters. Well, I'll go, I'll go see the first like, two. Is it already in? Well, it's coming out this weekend. Is it? I didn't. I didn't know when. I just knew that it was. Yeah, it's this All weekend. Right. All right. Um. Yeah. So, Great Escape next month. Uh. Yeah. Just leave the B plot then. Uh. You're the CEO for a day. What five films are you ordering to be added to the Criterion Collection? Um, that in, keep in mind that includes the movies will be restored, uh, and I and that you probably have to like commission some special features to be made. Um, what would you like to see? Um, which which films would be added, and what would you like to see um, added for them? Um, I have five. I, Shane also has at least five written down. Um, I have some honorable mentions in case some of mine are mentioned earlier. Um, Shane, let's start with you. We're doing one at a time, or are we going all through? Well, what, just just one. And we can talk about it for a hot second. Um, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, because I'm mad that this is on Netflix and doesn't have an actual like physical release. That's um, a really like I thought about adding a couple just because of that because like there's a couple movies that I just really want to have but I can't. Um, and honestly, if it was any kind of special features. I would love to listen to the Cone Brothers talk about how this turned from a Netflix series into a Netflix film. And hmm. honestly, that interview could probably be like two sentences if it was something very <laughs> simple, because I don't know. But I think it would be very interesting because this was supposed to be a Netflix series. I didn't know that. And then they're just That's like, let's make a movie. Which makes like sense feel it. As as the Coens are turning Netflix series into Netflix movies, Tarantino is turning movies into Netflix yeah. series. There you um, go. Because, you know, a good Coen Brothers movie is like a hour 45 clip. Bam! I mean, <laughs> look, I like I like Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just... I, I saw it the once and I'm fine, you know? I love the Coens. And, you know, me too. I would love to have all of them on physical media. But, you know, what can you do? All right, uh, Robert, what's the first one you're going to do? I have a feeling I'll uh, cross this one over with one of you two guys, and that's After Hours. Um, nope, my... I haven't seen it. Yep, that's on mine. Lord, so... Lord, no, uh, my number something, <laughs> Scorsese. I don't know. It's like number four, Scorsese, After Departed, Silence, Last Temptation. You know, all the heavy hitters, and then there's the one that no one ever talks about, even though it's like an incredible film. And if you want to hear uh, me talk about it at full length, go listen to, or go watch the wasteland reviewer. Uh, welcome to the wasteland. Robert to the was wasteland. on to talk about after hours. Yeah. I'm going to change my other one to a different Scorsese movie, but I a hundred percent agree on this one. As for behind the scenes, like maybe Scorsese would talk about 
what kind of drugs he was on to get that kind of eerie feeling <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. Not really. So, Martin, good... t- so Martin, now that you've done telling me about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. why don't you tell me about <laughs> what drugs? <laughs> now that you've told me about amusement park rides, what convinced you to hire Cheech and Chong to yeah. be thieves and criminals in your New York based movie? No, I just want like a, a regular behind the scenes featurette on this, like uh, how he went, how he went about it, because it's so different than all those other movies. I think any behind the scenes of any Scorsese movie would yeah. be fascinating. So, yeah. and I originally put this on my list because this is hard as hell to find. Yeah, that's that's I should have mentioned that it's the main reason. Number one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Robert sent a message to us in Slack that said, "When you want a movie that's on that on Blu-ray, but you realize it's a Netflix original, he sent the screenshot." From Ballad of Buster, Buster Scruggs, it says, first time as they're hanging from the nooses. I appreciated that, so I wanted to point it out. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll start with uh, The Legend of 1900. I talked about this movie a couple months ago. Um, this is, uh, I, I, think I'm the o- I'm the o- I think I'm the only person I know that's seen this movie. Um, at least according to Letterboxd, nobody else has logged this movie that I follow. Um, this is a 90s movie um, starring Tim Roth. Um, who plays a piano person that uh, a piano man that is born on a ship and is named 1900 and spends his entire life on a ship Um, directed by uh, Giuseppe Tornatore uh, who did cinema Paradiso and score by Ennio Morricone who's done lots of incredible things um, including cinema Paradiso. Uh, The score is amazing. Um, This, this, the only way I find that you can catch this movie, at least in the States is you can buy or rent it in standard definition on Amazon instant video. Um, but like, there's no like physical release anywhere. It's not on voodoo or iTunes or anything like that. Um, it's not on a streaming service. There's no HD version. And I think that this movie is visually stunning enough and audio, definitely audio, um, stunning enough. I would love for this to get, um, restoration as well as like, I, I just want this movie to be more exposure. It's not, the best movie of all time. It didn't make my top hundred, but it's really good. And it's really worth watching. And unfortunately until it's available, it's just not going to happen. So, um, that's my, my biggest reason is exposure, but like, I'd love to see, it's got gorgeous music in it. Um, love to see that restored. So that's my pick. Can I completely change the subject for half a second? Um, sure. Shane, I know you saw this movie, but I don't remember what you wrote in your review. What did you think of sundown? The, because it reminded me that he said Tim Roth. Tim Roth. That movie goes to some places I did not expect that movie to go. And that's the thing, because it's like you expect this to just be some kind of drama, but it plays off like this mystery thriller because, like, yeah. what is Tim Roth doing? Why is he not going home? Right. And it just like strings you along. And like, I don't know how satisfied people will be by the end, or like maybe like the last reveal might be like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But like, it's like a shocking hour and 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was, it was an interesting film. That's exactly how I felt. And all I wanted was for the last reveal to be just told in the beginning. And then I would have loved it, but instead I hated it for stringing me along the whole time. And like, I was more wondering about what was going on than like investing in what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, It was an interesting experience and that's an interesting film that just dropped and like dropped. Yeah, it's like so. Not adding sundown to Criterion. <laughs> no, no. Going if I went sounds back like to you it, didn't like it. If I went Another back to it, I might appreciate. Film though from last year, Supernova, 
Mm. I yes. think that's a beautiful film, yes. and you all should go watch that. I know. Robert- it's on my watch list. Shut up. Stop shaming me for all the movies I haven't seen. That's a short one on Hulu. That's <laughs> oh, on Hulu. Sweet. Yeah. Also, anyway, I added. After Hours isn't terribly long, is it? No, I don't think so. Two hours? I thought it was. Oh, okay. For a Scorsese uh, film. Yeah. <laughs> for, right. It's my. Uh, round two. What do you got, programming. Um, Hard Eight. Because also, oh. why is this hard to get? Yeah. <laughs> so, because I think it like you could buy it on Amazon for forty five dollars. Yeah. I'm like, no. Right. Um, but this is PTA's first film. Who, on a side note, lost to Edgar Wright over the weekend in my tournament, yeah. which I was really surprised, honestly. But Paul Thomas Anderson, he's such an interesting guy because like he's such a great filmmaker, and he seems like such a regular guy. He's he just like Venom talking too. about like. Huh? He loves Venom too. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, I have to check out this letterbox thing. My yeah. daughter loves it. And I'm just like, look at this guy. Um, I would love to see some interviews and stuff. And I think it'd be really cool to see how he made his first film. Because yeah. like, obviously he's come such a long way in terms of his filmmaking, but this is a cool crime thriller. And I really liked it when I checked it out. And I'm like, I would definitely buy that on Criterion. I hate PTA um, because he made such a good movie as his first movie. And only got better. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Man, I was not it. a huge fan of PTA. Like, I don't I am, like. I like PTA a lot. Yeah, I, I, I was even thinking about it. Like, I saw Worst Person in the World yesterday. I'm going to see it even later just, this week. Just because he says, just because Paul Thomas Anderson said that it's the best movie in the world. It's like, I understand why you love it, but that, but that means it's my, my ceiling is like eight out of ten. Like, I know I'm not going to be higher than that because. I didn't really like There Will Be Blood, and if I don't like that, there's no hope for me for PTA. So uh, I'm good for a rewatch on that one. Well, the thing about PTA is that There Will Be Blood is completely different than Magnolia, which is completely different than Boogie Nights, which is completely different than Licorice Pizza. Oh, I I I love Boogie Nights. There we go. I I love Boogie Nights. Licorice Pizza's fine. Great. It's it's excellent when Bradley Cooper's in the movie. Yeah. Um. Wow. (laughs) What's your... uh... Oh, um... Sorry, uh, isn't uh, uh, Alana Heim? Isn't that an edit? Network was edited by Alan Heim. Is that the same? <laughs> it might be the same person. I think I don't know. Well, like da- da- she's somebody's daughter. Is that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I know she's in a band with her sisters. Yeah, which is interesting. Like that's her actual family, right? In Licorice Pizza. Yeah, yeah. So like, very interesting. Nope, definitely not because her father's name is Mordecai. <laughs> Um, what's, the, what's the actor's name? Skyler what? Gassandi, is Gassando? it? Yeah, Gassando? Yeah, he has my my favorite line in, in Licorice Pizza. What does your penis look like? Uh, it's like a like a normal penis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, is it I'll my bringing... my second movie? Yeah, your second. Movie. Just go. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Shane. Just go. Um, this is a weird one. Uh, might not be the best choice. Um. You know what? I'm kicking this one out because it doesn't deserve a criterion. It already has good... I was going to say Green Knight, but it has a good 4K with good behind-the-scenes that I watched. Mm. Um, So I'm going to put in Bo Burnham Inside, which I tweeted out a few months ago, back when it first came out, I think. It needs a criterion release. Um, But the interesting paradox here is that I don't want to see any behind-the-scenes of it. Like, I don't want to hear any interviews with Bo Burnham talking about Mm. how he made Inside. But at the same time, if I could get anything on blu-ray that's not available on blu-ray it would be this it's also yep. frustrating because he released it on vinyl and cd and all that guy's stuff. it's like just give us a blu-ray um 
But yeah, I wonder if Netflix is going to start doing that at some point. Like they don't need to mass market a lot, but like they put Stranger Things out on Blu-ray. Like anyway, let's save this till the end of end of this B plot because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Okay, um, I also had Bo Burnham inside. Um, uh, for special features, I said honestly, whatever Bo wants to do, I don't want to tell him what to do, um, especially about this material. So yeah. If he wants to put nothing, nothing. If he wants to have a lot of stuff, literally whatever he wants. Um, but since you had said that one, um, also kind of you said, uh, I have enough honorable mentions. I just won't ever get you, you. You took off Green Knight. I moved. Um, I would put Cinema Paradiso in there, but it has a really good 4K release, actually. So that was honorable mention. But, so I'll just make that a quick note. Uh, my actual number two will be uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Um talk about Netflix movies that I just really want a physical copy of. But I also like, I watched Vanity Fair did one of those like notes on a scene and it's Lin-Manuel and Andrew Garfield doing the Bohemian rap, uh, the Bohem- uh, Bohemian life. Bohemian? Boho days. Boho days. I was like, what's the, what's the song title? The Boho day scene. And like, they're breaking it down and they just have a lot of just chemistry and I would love an audio commentary with the two of them. I would love a commentary of the people that the film is based off of or people that were in the original Tick, Tick, Boom production. I would love their commentary on the film. Um, I would love interviews for the film about the original or uh, interviews about the film with original Broadway cast for Rent. Um, I want uh, there's got to be more archive footage of the original show. Yeah, um, since they use some of the credits. Terrible. I would like, I would love some archive footage of Tick, Tick, Boom, yeah. um, the Broadway show, um, especially if it's the original Jonathan Larson one, not later ones that don't have him in it because it's already passed by then. Um, I would, I think you could make a whole thing, especially since Lin-Manuel directed this about Stephen Sondheim is a really big influence in that movie. I think you can make just a short documentary about the influence that Sondheim had on musical theater in film and Broadway. Um, and I don't know what, but something about Supernova. Um, I know that like fans online are like saying that Lin Manuel should make Supernova next, since Tick Tick Boom's getting so much praise. Like this kind of teases there, and it's like I don't know that I want that because I feel like they took the best song from Supernova and put it in Tick Tick Boom. So like you know, I have no familiarity with it. <laughs> Supernova is the um the, the the play that he's writing in Tick Tick Boom, the the like alien one. Right, but like um, outside of that, I've, I no, neither do I. Right, okay. but I'm like. Something about just here's how the story was going to go or here's what this meant. Here's how that influenced the later, like, you know, gotcha. like there's got to be a lot of information about that. And yeah. Um, so those were the special features I picked for, for tick, tick, boom. Cause I would watch all of that. So, and tick, tick, boom, 40 more times. So round three, Shane, what you got? Bringing out the dead. And that's my replacement for after mm-hmm. hours. So I just picked another Scorsese movie. That's also hard to find on physical media. So when I found out Nick Cage was in a Scorsese movie, I'm like, what? So, and I thought it was a pretty intense and engaging and interesting movie. So, and you know, it's just not easy to get. And I would take anything of Scorsese's and listen to him talk about how he made it. So talk about his pictures. Uh, man, I have so many choices. Cause I don't like the other one that I put in my actual choice. I have like 10 or 12 listed <laughs> out here. Um, I'll go with Pieces of a Woman, which is a movie that I liked a lot more than most people. Um, Most people were like, wow, that opening sequence was incredible. And then the rest didn't live up to it. But I thought, wow, the opening sequence was incredible. And the rest was, uh, it didn't, sure, it didn't live up to it, but it was still like a nine out of 10. Um, I would just want behind the scenes on everything that went into making that opening sequence. And then. Isn't the 
the opening sequence like 40 minutes long too it's about i think it's about half an hour 35 minutes something yeah. like that and for so it's it's so opening sequence is not like you know inglorious bastards right 15 you know, minutes yeah 10, right minutes. like this is like a big chunk of the movie <laughs> for anyone listening who hasn't seen the movie or doesn't know about it it's like vanessa kirby and shia labeouf um are a married couple i don't know if they're married they're a couple and she's she goes into labor and it literally plays out in real time in one take as she goes into labor, uh, you know, all that stuff gets settled and everything as the midwife comes and then gives birth. And then, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, so yeah, I just, I just went behind the scenes on everything that went into that and then talking to the director and all that kind of stuff about the symbolism that goes into it. Cause there's a lot of stuff that has to do with apples and, um, yeah, I really like that movie and I want, and I want a physical release of it. Very nice. Um, for my third pick, I'm going to go with a foreign film called The Hunt. Um, this is Mads Mikkelsen and Thomas Vinterberg uh, before another round. Um, this is this has a Blu-ray release. It's not a Netflix original, so yep. it's uh, pulling this one out. Um, I just think that this is such a remarkable film that lots of people should see, and it honestly is deserving of the merit that Criterion kind of has. Um, and as far as like special features, like this movie is both um not sympath like it's it's not sympathetic towards abuser like pedophiles or even people that sexually abuse others but it is a cautionary tale of how society can treat somebody accused of that and i think that interviews or short shorts or short documentaries or even like maybe short stories of people that have gone through something similar um could be really great extra material for the film um so you just uh, again the movie does not ever condone the actions of a pedophile or a sexual abuser or anything like that. It's just, it's about somebody who is accused of it that isn't guilty and how society reacts to it. Way ahead of its time. Excellent film. Yep. So my number four is Angel's Egg, which is a really fascinating, beautiful, and abstract anime that is like $90 mm. to buy online. And I'm like, Cause like it just out of print and I'm just like, no, thank you. And mm. is there a lot of anime that's on criterion? I don't know that there's I, any, well, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not totally sure of their whole catalog, but I don't know of any anime. Here's an interesting place to start. So this was something that the only reason I heard about this was because of a, a filmstagram tournament from magic of film Instagram page it was the greatest animated films of all time. And this was on there and I watched it. I'm like, it was crazy. And it was such an interesting and bold um, cinematic experience. And I'm like, I want to buy this right away. And I looked, I'm like, couldn't find it. Like on Amazon, it's just like buy from somebody for $90. I'm like, how about no? <laughs> so I would definitely want this on uh criterion. And honestly, that's the main reason. Like you sure. can put whatever special features you want on it, but. I just want to own it and not pay $90. Yeah, settle with 50 <laughs> Hey. I mean, they're they're frequently tw- 28 on. You know I'm waiting until one of the Barnes & Noble. The 50% sales, yeah. For, <laughs> I think 35 is what's up. Um, the 4Ks are normally 50 now. Now the Okay, Robert, what you got? Uh, this is one that will be very quick. Arsenic and Old Lace, which is impossible to find on Blu-ray, at least. And uh, if you want to hear more full thoughts go to the history of your podcast player in this very podcast and i'll tell you why i love arsenic and old lace 
It's my number yeah. two goat on, on my ranking. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll be pretty quick about this one. Coda. Coda's my favorite film of last year. Um, and because it's on Apple TV+, Plus, again, probably not getting a physical release. Um, Did you see it's playing in theaters for free? For free. And it's like, it's for free this weekend. And it's also like, it's like, it's entirely subtitled or something like that. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Um, No, I would have an uh, interview. This is a, it's a, it's a remake of a foreign film. So I would love an interview with the director of the original film. I think even the original film is hard to get your hands on. So it's not unlike Criterion to release like, uh, like uh, his girl Friday has the front page as a bonus feature, like a full film that his girlfriend is kind of based off mm. in their package. So like they could even do both of them. Um, I would love an interview. I would love interviews with real uh, children of deaf adult, adults on the film's importance and meaning. Um, I would love an interview with Joni Mitchell since both sides now was kind of the like primary, like focal point of the song at the end of the film and kind of what that song means and why, you know, how that, and then kind of on the same line, I would love a featurettes, from specifically sound editors on song selection and the use of sound and absence of sound in the film. Um, just kind of putting all that stuff on display. I love Coda. So would love all of that. Yep. And my fifth one was the Meyerowitz stories. Cause another Netflix. And yeah. I really love that film. Yeah. I got marriage story on criterion. So where are we getting this one? And the Irishman. Yep. I do have the Irishman too. <laughs> I wouldn't pretty find out. Yeah. Uh, I paid, it was $20. I got it for 20 bucks at one of the sales. It was nice. Yep. Meyerowitz stories. That's another like all time great Sandler performance. Yeah. I really love his performance in that. It's in, in like Dustin Hoffman, him and Ben Stiller. Yep. It's a, I really love that movie. I don't yeah. think I've watched it since I came out, but like, I still think about it. Obviously I still think about it cause I brought it up here, but I do wish that was, like available like some of the other netflix movies but it took look how long it took them to do beast of no nation so yeah that finally got released on criterion and i have it i still haven't seen it york he's the collector well i know i'm gonna love it when i see it like that's the thing you know i could have watched it for free on next (laughs) don't 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 judge me about the way of my money robert what you got you're gonna think this is a joke when i say it but i promise you this is 100 percent genuine um and it's Borat, the original Borat. Uh, I think this is this is another one that's like you can't find it on Blu-ray for a reasonable price. No. And um, for what it is, I think it's pretty, especially after the sequel last year, two years ago, whenever the heck that was. I don't know. Is it still 2020? I have no freaking idea. Um, <laughs> uh, especially after the sequel, like people have appreciated what Sasha Baron Cohen did in that first one. Um and I just want a look back in the behind the scenes of him. Like, like I know that's his thing with all his characters is just playing a character in real life, basically LARPing. Um, but I want, <laughs> I just want to see, hear him talk about like his, his process of putting himself in these dangerous situations and saying all the stuff that he says, you know, like the, the scene at like that, that uh, deep South chateau or whatever, where they're like, uh, the, the, the manners one, or the manner. Yeah. Where they where they teach him how to have an etiquette dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he says some things. He shows some photos. Um, and then like of course running through the hotel, you know all all this stuff. I just wanted him to talk about what it was like doing that, and not just like in an interview on Jimmy Kimmel. You know, like 
going full in depth into his his thought process and all of it and like the talking about the dangers and just the the sort of personality you have to have to do that kind of stuff that he doesn't. Borat is one of my favorite movies of all time, um, just basically because of the bravery mixed with comedy. So yeah, I just I just want that. Man, I would never have thought about it, but I 100% want that now. And you know, they could go ahead and just release Borat's subsequent movie film with it as well. Yeah. <laughs> no reason why they can't. Except that that's a Prime movie, which is well, but Amazon, but Prime typically releases their stuff on Blu-ray afterwards, and it's usually really cheap. Like I bought The Big Sick for like seven bucks, not too long after it came. Well, that was a Amazon produced, but it went to theaters. Like, oh yeah, but it became on available on Prime like before Blu-ray hit or before anything. Sure, but we'll see. We'll see. Amazon is better to us than Netflix and Apple. Um, one and that. Um, all right, my last one. I've got a choice to make. Um, let's go with Old Boy. Uh, the the original Old Boy, not the uh, Spike Lee Old Boy. Um, this is a, one of those movies that's really hard to find on Blu-ray. Um, it's pretty, it's semi easy to find on DVD in the states, but it for for a film that's so visually striking, you want a Blu-ray of that. Um, and just Old Boy is considered one of the greatest action movies of all time. Um, it's freaking hard to get your hands on sometimes. I mean, I watched it when it was on Netflix. I, I don't know if it is on anything now. It wasn't last time I checked. It's just like part of it is for like, this is notably one of the best, one of the most highly regarded Korean films of all time. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's Korean. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, Shane is holding up a DVD copy there, but Shane, wouldn't you love to have that in glorious high def or even 4k? You know, what's funny. Cause I've gotten so many DVDs really cheap at the Princeton record exchange and I remember sitting down and watching my Gangs in New York DVD and just sitting there being like, I wish I was watching this on a Blu-ray. Because, mm. <laughs> like, especially now with how TVs are, like, I just got a new smart, t- like, 4K smart TV for, like, mm. Black Friday. And it's just like, this looks really bad on this TV. Right. And it's starting to get into the territory where it's like, oh, I used to watch VHSs and then I throw that in. It's like, ooh, can I even see yeah. what's going on? <laughs> kind of thing. But it's not that bad, obviously. But... It would be really cool because, like, this is just some beat up used. Actually, I think I got this at Fye. There's, there's only, as far as I know, ever been a North American DVD release, and it feels like it should have, you know, have a better release. So, absolutely. Um, Robert, you said you had a whole list of them. Any of them you want to just say the titles of? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say how frustrated I am that Netflix releases good movies and other streaming services like Amazon too. Because you can't find in that anywhere, for example. Um, Wolfwalkers. Yeah, right. Apple TV. Yeah. And you can't, like, that's how they're going to eventually kill physical media is that everything's going to be a streaming only release other than the Marvel whatever stuff. And then you're not going to be able to get any new Blu-rays. Can I change one of my answers to Wolfwalkers? (laughs) Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, well, so uh, kind of along the lines of what you said, I had um, I had two two more films that were just because I want a copy of them: yeah. Charlie Chicago Seven and Palm Springs. Um, but I, I couldn't justify. Here's what I want the special features of. So I was like, eh, all the mentions. And honestly, there's still hope for either of those. They're pretty new. Yeah, so I I just have a list of like a quick cursory glance at Wikipedia of all Netflix original films that I'm sure I missed some. But like, I want Bo Burnham, Tick Tick Boom, The King, Pieces of a Woman. How do they fall? Devil all the time. Two popes and Annette, which is prime. But two I popes guess. would make a great criterion. Yeah, 
Yeah. I can't wait for the sequel to Pope's Too Furious. <laughs> you know somebody's going to make that. Um, I'll, I'll shoot out three that I wanted to say. The, I'll just say the title of uh, Another Round, the other Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas Turk one. Mostly because the Blu-ray has literally no special features on it. Um, it's like, come on. Like, you couldn't get an interview with... you. Know, anyway. Um, City of God, because I think that the film is worth... Criterion uh, levels, but it it is pretty available on Blu-ray. Indeed, I mm-hmm. uh, love that one. And um, uh, Dogma, yeah, uh, Dogma would be a great one. That's just being held up because somebody who should not be named is an asshat for reasons other than just holding up Dogma. So I got one of these it. days he'll be poor enough that he'll need to sell the rights. So I have lucky. A, I have a DVD copy. It's fine. I just I would like a high definition copy. I would like special features. I feel like. Everybody involved in it would love to contribute because it's got such a following, but so many people haven't seen it because, you know, even like Kevin, like people that would be fans of like Clerks and Jane Silent Bob and all that, like just so, haven't seen Dogma because it's <laughs> really hard to find. So, some especially if bonus, you want a Blu ray. Some of the bonus on here bonus follow the Buddy Christ for more hijinks with Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, MJ Muse, and the VSQ crew. Yeah. So there we go. A uh, lot of fun. Uh, Shane, any other ones? Super quick. You wanted to just say the title of? Um, now I'm just perseverating over how Wolf Walkers probably won't get a release on DVD, and it makes me sad. Look, we don't know what Apple's strategy is going to be. You know, maybe maybe they're like a couple years, or just until it's not popular trending anymore. It's only going to be on iTunes. Yeah. Ju- just until we keep on, or just until we stop giving out tons of free trials for Apple TV Plus, and people just start paying for it. You know. Um, yeah, then we'll start selling. But um, all right, well, that just leaves us with the spinoff. So, Robert, let's start with you. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you really want to tell people to check out or to stay away from? Um, Valentine's Day. Watch that movie. <laughs> it's it's a good movie. <laughs> I I mean it unironically. Um, it's no uh, what's the movie I like? It's no love actually, but it's a good like intersecting. It's, romantic storyline style right yeah intersecting storylines romantic comedy that's just like it's a lot of fun it's got a lot of famous people doing silly things being in love not being in love you know all that kind of stuff taylor swift is actually like really good in it but there is a taylor swift song that plays over it and she doesn't play herself and i just don't freaking know what the logic of that is like does taylor swift exist and she looks like taylor swift in the and i don't know but it doesn't matter to me because the movie's really good it has there's no ocean, logic. There's Ocean's Twelve logic, where mm. Julia Roberts exists in the world of the Ocean's movies, yes. and you have her pretend to be a Julia Roberts, and then Bruce Willis shows up, and then you're just like Steven Soderbergh. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> genius. He's doing genius. Um, I'll go next. Um, I uh, finished playing The Witcher Two, um, the enhanced edition on the Xbox 360, because it's backwards compatible. I think it was even on sale recently, but I've owned it for a hot second. And um, I've never played The Witcher 3. Witcher 1 is only on PC, and I don't play PC. I've never seen the show with Henry Cavill. Um, this was my first This was my first exposure into this world. I never read the books. Um, it, took, it was a bit of a learning curve in terms of the story, because it's a sequel, and it feels like it. But once the story kind of establishes itself, and you get really interested in it, like... I feel like there's a lot of people that have only played The Witcher 3 and it's widely regarded as one of the best games. Like, please check out Witcher 2, especially if you have an Xbox because it's available on the Xbox store. 
It's usually not more than like 10 bucks. You could usually find it for like four or five. It's really worth your time. And it's a decent time investment, but it's the shorter, shortest of the Witcher games. It took me maybe like, t- typically takes like 30 hours to beat. Um, less if you don't care about side quests. So like, I had a really good time. Witcher 2. Uh, Shane, what about you? Well, my first question, well, I have one question about The Witcher 2. is like, but what if you only like side quests? Uh, I mean, I I did all of the side quests and main quests that I you know, that I could do. Uh, probably took me like 40 hours, if, if maybe not quite that long. But Yeah, notoriously, my fiance Jess just gets caught up in side quests and never finishes any games. So. I, I get like intro mission. I do side quests as soon as they show up because you earn a lot of XP. So then it makes the really like the main missions easy to learn. And as long as the side missions aren't repetitive, as long as they're fun. Yeah, I know. Um, she actually and they impact the main quest sometimes. She actually beat the story in Pokemon Arceus, which I was very shocked because she didn't get perseverating over the side quests. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> one real quick thing. So I've been rewatching all of South Park and I'm on season 16 and not going to lie. The first third of this podcast, when you kept saying nice, Aaron, I can think of just like nice. Um, And if you haven't seen that South Park episode, it's a pretty messed up one, which could probably be said about half of them. I was going to say, isn't that most of them? Because the thing is, it's about Ike, um, Kyle's younger brother, having an affair with his teacher. And how they don't take it seriously because he's a boy and boys can't get molested. And all the cops, when they brought it to the cops, are just like, nice. Nice. And you're just like, oh, this is so uncomfortably true and so uncomfortable, right? Oh, but anyway, my actual one is, so, everybody wants to talk about on Sunday night about Euphoria on HBO. Mm -hmm. On HBO. They should be talking about Righteous Gemstones because I absolutely love that show. <laughs> and they have what? And they have the season finale along the same night as the season finale of Euphoria. So if you don't. And then Barry to- starts. Yes! Oh my God. Did- oh, I could talk about that too, preemptively, because I love Barry too. Um, but the thing is, Righteous Gemstones, I think Danny McBride has found like his perfect balance on a TV show and the cast is amazing. It has some pretty impeccable commentary on like big televangelists and stuff like that. It's, it's a crime thriller. It's hilarious. And everybody's just so despicable and enjoyable to watch. And I'm like glued to after watching the eighth episode today to find out what the hell happens in the season finale. Cause I'm like, I'm definitely hooked, but yeah, and special shout out to Walton Goggins as Baby Billy because he's absolutely fantastic. I watched the first few episodes of the first season and I couldn't get into it, probably because of the same reason as Network, where it's like, I know how crappy all these people are and I don't really <laughs> want to see it in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> but the fun thing is the yeah. Righteous Gemstones are, are like, that's the thing. They're so ridiculously over the top that it's just like, it's a crazy roller coaster ride. Network and like newsroom and stuff like that is like real. Yeah. And just like, uh, not that the televangelists aren't that ridiculous, potentially. But you know, I also saw Eyes of Tammy Faye. And it's just like, it's like, imagine if Danny McBride made that. <laughs> and that's kind <laughs> of just gemstones. I think Peak Danny McBride is in Vice Principals. 
but yes, he's great in uh, Righteous Gemstones. I like the show, but I don't love it. I haven't seen season two yet, but I will. Well, on that note, that'll do it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to quote Borat. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, quick reminder Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to write for SipPop.com, too bad. Uh, or I mean, you want to get in cut, <laughs> or if you want to get in contact with us, uh, maybe send us a question to explore the B plot. That'd be a lot of fun. Email writersroom at SipPop.com or contact me on Twitter uh, at Schweitcastle, also Schweitcastle on Litterbox. Um, or you can also DM the, the SipPop Twitter. Uh, don't forget to check out Patreon if you're interested in the perks that are listing listed there. But uh, besides the uh, YouTube channels, uh, what do you want to promote? Uh, Shane, let's start with you. So obviously you can see all the articles that I write for Sif Pop, my buried treasure on Sif Pop. You could look at my YouTube channel. You could look at Scare Magazine, MovieHole.net, and some of the things that I do over at Scribe Magazine, like the Wait to Slam Vintage Roadshow, where I take a look at classic films. And also newer films that I've been doing as well. And I have Instagram, Twitter. I have a TikTok now. I've been having some fun with some of those things. Obviously, TikTok's an interesting place for a 30-year-old to be yeah. traveling through. Same. <laughs> Even a 25-year-old. Like, I'm, I can't do it. <laughs> but, yeah. And Letterboxd. And I so basically, search movies, and eventually you'll find Shane. Yeah. Um, yes. Google my I name. Like the fourth result when you Google movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, and Robert. Uh, yeah. Let's just go to Twitter underscore Rob's thoughts. I don't even, even really tweet that much. I realize I just go on all the time. <laughs> nice. You can uh, also find me in the writers' room. Just saying. Oh, that's true. Why do you always pick on... I was thinking about this the other day. Why do you always pick on the old, like, tried to make it a tag at the end of the show, <laughs> even though I hated it every time I said it, but you never pick on the old intro music. That was terrible. Because I don't hear the intro music every time I sit here to record. It's like, it got burned into my mind that every time you record at the end, you say, get back to the writer's room. So now it just, like, became a thing. Wait, hold on. Can you say that just one more time? Back to the writer's room. <laughs>